gently descend and and get off like an elevator down to a laboratory or something. Hold, holding onto the immovable rod like a safety bar. Just <laughs> exactly. please put your hands and feet inside the immovable rod at all times. It's like a like a ski lift or something. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Dungeon Busters, your Dungeons and Dragons actual play experiment. I'm Diego, a professional dungeon master and actor. And I'm Michael, an actor and role-playing addict. Each episode, we summon a special guest who helps us give your game inspiration one encounter at a time. We don't just play D&D, we we put put it it to to the test. Welcome back to another episode of Dungeon Busters, folks. I'm here, Diego F. Salinas, in the studio. And I'm Michael C. Hyatt, and we have a very special guest with us today. Diego, who's our special guest? So Derek is the host of How Not to DM, a weekly TTRPG interview show with the goal to interview the very best DMs and GMs on this plane of existence. Each episode features a TTRPG creator from around the globe who shares their best and worst moments behind the screen and their cool projects. When not podcasting or prepping his home games, Derek is working as a full-time data nerd, trying new recipes, and enjoying the great outdoors. Derek from How Not to DM, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Michael and Diego. It's a ton of, it's going to be a ton of fun, I think. And uh, yeah, uh, Derek B. Saunders too, just to follow the uh, the theme here. I got to do my yeah, Derek B. Saunders. my last name. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, I'm super excited. Uh, found Dungeon Busters when you reached out and I've been binging through it and prepping for this. So I'm really excited to to be a part of it. Yeah, and you have your own podcast, How Not to DM. How long have you been working on that podcast? April uh, 2023 will be two years of How Not to DM. Um, yeah, it started off as me wanting to do like a blog and and sending a Google Doc to people and saying, fill this out and I'll post it as a, as a blog article so people can learn from you. And then I recorded with one of my friends and I was like, oh, how hard can it be to make a podcast? Turns out it takes a lot of time and effort and everyone <laughs> who does podcasts knows that and yeah, uh, yep. you should be commended. But yeah, it turned into a podcast and here we are today. That's awesome, man. It's so great Ed, that you like just kind of ventured in here. Was this this was your first foray into podcasting? Uh, yeah. Other than like a one episode I recorded on my college roommate's uh dorm room bed with his iphone and we were talking about uh soccer like for fun just for a sports blog we had it never went anywhere obviously so yeah i listen to how not to dm a lot when i'm at the gym uh mm, so I, it's very nice to just like be pumping iron and uh getting to hear from so many great uh people in the ttrpg space one of the ones that i listened to recently uh was uh, by the creator of The Weekly Roll, uh, which is Ooh. a webcomic on um, Instagram uh, and elsewhere on the wider web. Uh, but they ha- it has great characters. It's Mike- Michael Greeny, right? Is that? Uh, his name is Malcolm. Yeah, Malcolm. Malcolm. Um, Malcolm. Damn. Yeah, he's from Sweden. Yeah, he's Malcolm, really cool. I, I just sent him a message on Instagram and said, hey, I know you like D&D because this is clearly D&D themed. Do you want to come chat about it? And he said, sure. So, uh, yeah, it was a ton of fun to chat with Malcolm. He's, he's a really nice guy. That's yeah. amazing. I love all the horror stories that you get into. I mean, I think that's some of the the juicier side. Everyone loves to hear those stories of like, hey, this is what you shouldn't do. So I love the premise for your podcast. And I had a lot of fun listening to it as well. Thanks. Yeah, I, I really started it because I learned a ton from listening to podcasts and watching actual plays and like picking up what these other DMs do. Right. 
but I knew that there must be times when those people have screwed up too. Mm-hmm. And I want to, <laughs> to learn from those instances as well. Right. And so that's, that's really what kind of like was at the heart of the, me starting the show. And yeah, it's been a ton of fun to like talk to some of the biggest names in the space and realize, yeah, they started where you started having no experience and they've made tons of mistakes too. So anyone can jump in and run games and, and learn from it. And I think, yeah, that, that's really why I started the show and, and uh, why I'm so passionate about it. Is there one guest you've had on your podcast that you ha- um, were like, wow, I never thought I would get this person on and here they are. I'm like talking to them right now. <laughs> uh, and also, couple, is yeah. there one person that you really like, like uh, someone you want to, you still haven't had on the podcast yet, but you want to, it's like a dream person, dream guest. A white whale. Yeah. I've got, <laughs> yeah. I've got some white whales. I got a list of them. Oh, um, yeah. I have like a whole, a whole Trello board full of like someday, maybe I'll get them on there. Um, people I've really was really excited about be Dave Walters. He's like probably top five, you know, like, most popular DMs in the space, I'd say. And, and he was super willing and he was like, I don't know, he's just a super nice guy and willing to take uh, time to chat with me. Uh, and then Johnny Stanton, who was at the time like an on active Browns roster player, like, you know, an NFL player. That was just kind of insane too, that, that an NFL player would be into this kind of thing and then also be willing to talk to me. So those are two really fun ones. Yeah, as far as like White Whale, you know, I've got the the Holy Trinity up there. I've got Matt Mercer and Brennan Lee Mulligan. And yep. uh, I guess that's not a Trinity, is it? Um, but, you know, Throw, Abria, Abria Eingard in there to make the Trinity, right? Yeah, yeah. The, she can round it out, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think that's a great Trinity. Uh, but yeah, you know, there's, there's a bunch more up there that someday I will get to. Someday they'll respond to my uh, form submissions on their websites or, or <laughs> you know, whatever. So. Yeah, but then, but until then, I've got tons of other awesome people who are um, maybe not as well known, but have done a lot of cool work, have have really cool projects, and have a lot of great advice too. Well, we are definitely in that nature too of like wanting to, you know, put things to the test, make mistakes, and put them out there for people to see and go. Eh, I wouldn't do it like that, or I would take this or take that. <laughs> so, with that in mind. What are we putting to the test today, Diego? So today's topic on Dungeon Busters, we were going to be busting homebrew monsters. Uh, so I'd love to just get a feel for, you know, what everyone around the table here is. What is your experience with homebrew monsters? Have, like, have you always, like, loved making them? Or is it something that you've been trepidatious about stepping into? Um, I'd love to start off. Michael, yeah, what's your experience with homebrew monsters? Uh, I made my first homebrew monster for this podcast, for this episode, and I'm... Really oh. excited about it. I had a lot of fun. I've, I've never really dove into making my own monsters. I maybe have done a little reskinning, mm-hmm. but most of it has just been taking monsters right out of the monster manual. So this was a lot of fun. I have no idea how my monster is going to work in uh, the actual playing of it, but <laughs> I'm excited. It's real-time play testing. Uh, yes. For the real. good news is, Michael, when you reskin monsters, that's homebrew, baby. Oh, so so oh, you're right. doing it, you know? Heck yeah. How about you, Derek? What's your uh, experience with homebrew monsters in your games or in, in the games you've played in? Yeah, uh, my first game I ever played in, I was a player in a game in a um, Lost Mine of Fandelver game with coworkers at work. And at the very end of that game, I had already been writing my own. I was like, oh, I'm going to make my own adventure and we're going to play that next. Uh, so I made a Google Doc and I wrote a bunch of stuff. And I found some homebrew monsters online and, and adjusted them and like made some tweaks and stuff. So my first my first ever 
game I ran included some homebrew stuff and I haven't looked back. You know, I've been I've been homebrewing monsters ever since. A lot of it is taking stuff that exists and reskinning it mm-hmm. and adding abilities, taking away abilities, that kind of thing. Because oftentimes I find like I think of an idea and it's something similar enough exists. For instance, um I I started a new group um, with some people who'd never played before. We played through Lost Mine, and then they wanted to do some pirate stuff. And so I was like, all right, we're going to go venture out to the high seas, and I'm going to start you know, homebrewing this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I invented some monsters that look like palm trees, but when you get close, they're basically like snakes, and they attack you. So Yo. I took snake stat blocks and just reskinned it. It looks like a palm tree, and then it does some additional stuff that uh, you know the giant snake stat block doesn't do. Um, so that's another fun one that that my players still talk about. Like one of them still is carrying around these teeth that it got they got from the palm snake, and like they haven't figured out what to do with them yet. <laughs> so <laughs> that's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I'd always been like very hesitant to homebrew before. I, I'm the type of person I really like to get like a feel for like the things that are already made before I like start like uh, taking matters into my own hands. And it wasn't until fairly recently, like within the past year that I've become more comfortable with homebrewing things. And I think that a lot of that confidence to do that came from understanding mechanically what goes into these homebrew monsters, like, uh, or what goes into like a stat block, right? Like the, the HP that monsters have isn't just completely random. Like their, Mm. their hit die is based off of like their size or, uh, you know, you think about like, Oh, it might have this base AC, but if I want, this you know goblin to be wearing full plate armor that's going to affect the ac of the stat block itself and it's been very interesting like going through and parsing through all of the materials and kind of like the meta knowledge of how the the stat block gets built that i've really found uh, found my way myself empowered to create and uh from that foundation like knowing okay cool this is where i want to adjust things this is the rules that i want to break this is kind of the way I want to design it. I think I probably jumped in head first and then figure that stuff out on the way. So <laughs> both both have merit, right? Both, Absolutely. Both are awesome ways to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. And we'll have a chance uh, after the actual play to go into detail about all our, our each of our uh, homebrew monsters and kind of the design philosophy that went into them. But right yeah. now we don't want to give away any surprises just yeah. yet. But I think that's a good enough time to go ahead and transition over to the Dungeon Busters actual play lab and put this to the test. And welcome into the Dungeon Busters laboratory. Uh, so right now we're going to go ahead and first get to know our characters that are around the table today. So Derek, as our guest of honor, uh, uh, what is your character? Yeah, so today I'm playing Mick Ogladesh. He is a level 10 uh, chronergy slash divination wizard. Um, cool. He's a, a drow. Uh, I created Mick as part of a uh, wild mountain game that my friend wanted to run during the summer when we were uh, on a break from one of my games I was running. And so that's kind of why he's got the, the chronergy flavor and, and he's a drow um, specifically because of the, the kind of wild mount um, setting. Uh, so that's where he came from. Um, and I used a lot of the similar stuff, um, that I built him initially, um, 
for the game uh, for this game as well, just because I'm familiar with it and it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, he's he's. Uh, I took the lucky feet, and I also um, D- divination wizards have portents where they can um, use pre-rolled dice to replace dice rolls mm. um, during the during an adventuring day, and I kind of uh, built him just so that. He's kind of like a, a meta wizard in that you can replace lots of roles and, and re-roll lots of stuff and um, give yourself a lot of extra chances to succeed at things. Um, his flavor, his kind of backstory um, for the game I was in was he, you know, he was big into like all of the crazy deep dungeons full of technology that nobody understood mm. in the current day and age, and, and that's what he was down there trying to research and figure out. And so, uh, yeah, I'm still playing him to this day when we have. Um, breaks in between we'll play that game um but yeah that, that's where mick came from um he's a ton of fun and uh i'm excited to see how he fares against uh these homebrew horrors that we've got uh upcoming hell yeah welcome to the table mick ogladesh all right michael yes. uh i'm playing sandy uh he is from the sanjeev desert he has no last name as part of his uh paladin oath they like revere the desert uh the sanjeev desert where they come from uh he's an oath of a 10th level oath of redemption paladin so as part of this they like the desert is such a harsh place to live Mm. in that they they believe like if you can be pure and honest and good like it is the hardest to do when it survival is on the line Mm. so they sort of like strive to be these peaceful guardians and protectors in like the harshest places uh and therefore they give they let go of their like given name and take on a name that reflects the the desert that they're from. So he's his name is Sandy. <laughs> All right. And uh yeah, uh I'm excited to roll with him. He's he's an older guy. He's a dragonborn, a bronze dragonborn. He looks sort of like a horned lizard, very dusty. Yeah. And uh he's uh got wears this like big dusty uh uh robe. Uh, that he th- you know throws a hood over his horns. Um, though, if you were to look closely, you would see perhaps some uh, shimmering uh, m- metal underneath, uh, some mithril. In fact, Ooh, as he right. is, uh, fancy boy. Yeah, got some fun mithril plate going on. Amazing. That does remind me. Uh, before, while we were uh, preparing these characters, I asked each of you to pick an uncommon magic item that you would Ooh. have. Uh, would you like to share what your uncommon magic item is, Derek? Yeah, uh, I have picked the immovable rod. Uh, it's a favorite oh, nice. of my players in my own games, and it's just so versatile and useful that I decided to grab it um, just because who knows what shenanigans Michael and I are going to get up to in in this uh, in this. Little actual play segment we got here. So, yeah, that's the one I picked. Nice. I have used those in a game before, and I love them so much. So Yeah. <laughs> and, Michael, your, is yours the Mithril armor? Yes, I went with Mithril Plate. Um, I, I, it's, Sandy is more of a peacekeeper, so he's more on the defensive side. Mm. So I went with some some beefy armor. Nice. Always good to have extra armor as you're heading into things, especially with how dangerous things are. Allow me to give you all a little bit of context of where your adventures are taking you today. The Ashbound people have lived in the smoldering hills for generations. These rolling lands are situated between the sweeping plains of Agades and the sleepy volcanoes of the Ashen Ridge. Having settled in the area long ago, the Ashbound are familiar with the fire seasons and are not usually perturbed by the flames that sweep through the hills, burning away the old to make way for new growth. However, 
This fire season has stretched out longer than usual, causing flames to consume areas that are traditionally safe and threaten to encroach further north along the smoldering hills. To make matters worse, reports of earthquakes and the emergence of magma-filled sinkholes have caused concern among the local leaders of the many clans that populate the area. Out of your allegiance to one of the local clan priests, you have decided to venture into the scorched lands in search of answers. And it is on this day that you find yourselves amongst the scarred land, uh, the charred land. Clouds of black and white smoke race ahead of acres of licking flames as the fast winds of the plains swirl into short-lived fire spouts that accelerate the scorching carnage. A sudden violent gust of wind causes a fresh wave of cinders and embers to jump a quarter of a mile onto a previously untouched ridge, smoke already beginning to thicken amongst the amber grasses and sparse trees of the smoldering hills. You squint through the smoke as you walk through the charred wake of the wildfire, before coming upon an enormous sinkhole big enough to swallow an inn, stables and all. Waves of heat emanate from the sinkhole, within which you can see two tunnels halfway down between the lip of the sinkhole and the cooling magma at its base. The tunnel that opens to the south dribbles a thin stream of cooling magma into the base of the sinkhole, while the tunnel that opens to the north is free from pyroclastic residue. What would you all like to do? Uh, uh, Nick, I, uh, we should probably get out of this smoke. I think if... Do, do that tunnel, it seems clear down there. Do, do you think so? Yeah, yeah, it does look clear, but I'm worried about how hot it's going to be down there, don't you think? Uh, I, I, I mean, I noticed that, that the one tunnel's got a bunch of magma dribbling out of it, so I figure we probably head down the one that doesn't, but what do you think? Do you think it's safer that way? Or, Well, first of all, what do you think created this thing? That, that's the real question. Oh, my... I'm nervous to think about what might have created this sinkhole, if I'm being quite honest. Um, but I think if we head to the tunnel to the north, it doesn't seem like smoke or magma is coming out of that one. So I, I agree that that seems to be the safer tunnel. Um, and um, do you happen... How far down is the entrance to that tunnel? Yeah, let me take a look here. So uh, if, as you're kind of like looking a little bit from the lip of the sinkhole, you can see that... The sinkhole in total is about 40 feet deep from the lip to the magma base, and it's 70 feet in diameter. Oh, uh, huge. The, oh, it's huge. Enormous. Yeah. Both tunnels are situated about 25 feet below the lip of the tunnel. Uh, sheer wall? Or, sorry, or sorry, below the gradual? lip of the sinkhole. Sorry? Yeah, sorry. Is it a sheer wall, or is it kind of a gradual, like, down into the sand where we'd be able to walk down ourselves? It is a sheer, sheer uh, drop. It is as if this section of earth just collapsed in on itself. Uh, the magma at the base still emanating a lot of heat. Uh, it is like it's beginning to cool. You can see that it's beginning to get a nice little like creme brulee crust <laughs> on the top of it. Uh, that, Like I said, the tunnel uh, that opens to the south has like a little dribble of magma coming out of it. Uh, but the tunnel that opens to the north uh, is uh, free of that pyroclastic residue. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm not super familiar with the flora and fauna of, of this region, so I, I'm not quite sure what make this. I do hope it is natural and not created by some behemoth of creature, but um, do you happen to have a, a, a line of rope or something? I'm happy to traverse down first, uh, but I un unfortunately don't have a line of 
rope or anything in my pack. Uh, yeah, I got some rope. Uh, I'm gonna look about. Is there anything that it looks like we could tie rope to to anchor it? Like a mm. big rock that seems pretty steady or anything like that? Yeah, there is a charred tree that is on one of the edges of the sinkhole here. Uh, it's uh, an old tree that's burnt up a little bit and definitely dried out. But you can see that its roots are still deep in the earth, even though they poke out in some sections on the uh, on the wall of the sinkhole here. Hey, Sandy, yeah, you want to give this tree a whack and make sure it's, it's steady? Uh, yes, I will uh, pull from my back a very long glaive and wind up and give it a nice smack just to make sure that it is yeah. steady. Go ahead and roll to hit on the charred tree. That is going to be a 23 to 23 hit. hits. Yeah, go ahead and roll damage on this tree. All right. Um, can I do... Can I try not to do a ton of damage? Or is it... I don't want to like, destroy it. I mean, like you're trying to find out if it's steady. Right, you know, okay, cool. Uh, that's going to be eight points of slashing damage. Yeah, eight points of slashing damage. You sink your glaive uh, deep into the trunk. Uh, the tree rattles and ash kind of rains down on top of you. There is, the tree seems steady enough, though. You haven't, you know, you buried the, the blade maybe uh, three inches into the trunk. Uh, okay. But it, it does seem steady otherwise. Very cool. Uh, it, it seems steady enough to me. All right, let's do this. Uh, I'm going to throw the rope around the trunk then and tie a knot and just start, um, maybe maybe like loop it around my belt and start uh, trying to rappel down the side of this sinkhole to get into that north tunnel. Yeah, as you're beginning to straddle the uh, side of the, of, the, uh, of the sinkhole edge here, you see an, uh, fresh plumes of black smoke begin to come out of the magma crater uh, once more. It is billows heavily at first uh, until you start hearing <laughs> little laughs. As you look down, as you can see out of the southern uh, tunnel, uh, these little creatures begin to come out. Uh, they are have ch- little charred bodies that are made of, like, clanking, clunking rock. You can see little flames uh, coming out from the cracks and creases within them. And they are beginning to kind of come and surface uh, onto, the, uh, onto the lip of the sinkhole here. Behind them, you also see a big dude. He is uh, squat like a dwarf, but made entirely of what looks like charcoal and other uh, volcanic rocks. And as he opens his mouth... Thick plumes of smoke begin roiling out of it. The creatures that have uh, come to the surface here begin touching little patches of grass and setting them ablaze. They see you and they laugh sinisterly. Please roll for initiative. Yes. Uh, So. Did I start repelling at all, or was I about to, and then they showed up on the on the top? Just so I, I I, up, up I, to you. I'm thinking you were kind of maybe about to like start your descent, but uh, okay. you're you're just tied tied to the tree right now. Maybe not fully down into the uh, into the the pit's edge. Yeah. Oh boy, we both got thirteen. Of course, I only prepared fireball. <laughs> you know, give it give it a try. Who knows what'll happen. Maybe they'll take it as like a sign of peace, like a peace offering of like, yeah, I give you fire. <laughs> or it'll heal them or something. <laughs> <stupid>. <laughs> uh, 
So we're gonna kick it off thing uh, here with the first of these little fire guys here. Uh, each one chattering uh, excitedly, little trickles of flame coming out of their fingers, their eyes, and their heads. I figured I was like at the base of the tree, like yeah. making sure the rope didn't break or snap. Awesome. So the first one of these little guys is gonna summit the lip over here, and he's gonna make a beeline straight for the tree, uh, using all of his movement oh, no. to get up of near course. it. Oh no! He's gonna look at you and say, "Oh!" And with a flaming finger, he touches the rope that you've tied around it. The rope ignites in flames, taking five points of fire damage. Oh no! Which I think. Uh, let me let me look up uh, the how how strong ropes are. Is he got to be at least ten, right? Yeah, that, that's kind of usually the AC is stuff. I don't know. Oh yeah, rope has uh, an AC of ten and HP of two. So oh. with that uh, five, the entirety of the of the rope uh, around the base of the tree engulfs in flames uh, and uh, sizzles and burns away. Uh, that is going to be that. That's it for the small little guy. Now the big bloaty looking guy. He's got like a big, like almost like smokestack coming out of his back. Uh, smoke billowing out in a bunch of different directions. He is going to make his way over to the uh, closer to you here. Uh, and upon making contact with Sandy, he is going to unleash a pyroclastic belch with a 13 to hit Sandy. Uh, that is not going to hit. All right. What kind of dragonborn are you, Sandy? I didn't ask. Uh, I'm a bronze dragonborn. Um, So I I feel like, though, I think I'm a pretty dusty guy, so I look just like, like, I think if I were essentially, if you were, if I were nude in the desert, I could curl up into a ball (laughs) and I would just sort of blend in with some sort of gleaming flecks of bronze peeking through. Nice, a little dusty bronze. Yeah. Well, the uh, pyroclastic belch and the hot ash and uh, smattering of rocks that spew from this uh, this creature, uh, they miss. Nice. Uh, as we go ahead and pass turn now to another one of these little guys. Uh, you see this one is coming up around here. He takes a look uh, in the direction of the fight uh, and then looks further to the north where he sees... Uh, like just plains of uh, grasses that have yet to be burnt. And it, this guy just bolts. And he's going to use his action to dash and head off into like some tall grasses that aren't burning. As he's walking through them, you can see little fires spreading out. Uh, this guy is now out of the fight. As we go now to Mick, what would you like to do, Mick? We got Sandy on deck. Uh, can you show me where the, the tunnel is um, yeah. in in relation to where we are just so that I don't like do anything to destroy it or collapse it or whatever? Absolutely. So the <laughs> northern tunnel, uh, it's 25 feet below, and it's okay. like we'll say it's like kind of right here on the uh, on the um, southern or sorry, the northern edge of the of the of the pit. Uh, okay. whereas the tunnel that goes to the south to the uh, Ashen Ridge, is opposite that. And they all crawled out of the tunnel, right? Correct. They all crawled out of the far tunnel, the tunnel okay. that uh, leads to the Ashen Ridge or in the direction of the Ashen Ridge. Okay. Is the rope still burning and like burning toward me where I'd have to get rid of it or did it just burn the section on the tree? Yeah, it just burned the section on the tree. So you just got like a little like rope tail like around your waist, uh, but in no danger of like, you know, it's not like a fuse. 
Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, boy. Uh, what to do? What to do? Um, uh, Sandy and I have been adventuring for a while, and I think that he and I have an understanding that he he will take the big, the big <laughs> one, and I'll take the little ones, kind of thing. Um, so. I am going to try this. I'm going to cast Gravity Sinkhole. So this is um, a spell from Wild Mounts. Um, so I'll read it for you. A 20-foot radius sphere of crushing force forms at a point you can see within range and tugs at the creatures there. Each creature in the sphere must make a constitution saving throw. Nice. On a failed save, the creatures take 5d10 force and are pulled in a straight line toward the center of the sphere. Uh, and you said this was a 20-foot radius? Space. Yes. Uh, on a successful t- save, the creatures take half as much and aren't pulled. But I'm I'm hoping that this is powerful enough that it's just going to obliterate most of them, and then uh, Sandy and I can can dust the rest of these, so to speak. Okay, would you say I could get um, numbers five, one, and two all within a twenty foot sphere? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to cast it kind of like just a little bit. Um, below where number one is and catch those three. So yeah, um, uh, DC 16 constitution saving throw for those three to see if they get sucked in. Alright, I got 15 for the smoky guy. Okay. 12 for uh, are the guy near the tree. Mm-hmm. And 10 for our guy that is about to summit the lip here. Excellent. They all fail, so I'm going to click there 27. 27 points of damage? Mm-hmm. Oh, amazing. So five uh, is going to take 27 points of damage, uh, and it dies. Uh, as it dies, you see it kind of like the fire within it uh, quell, and then it suddenly violently reignites, and it explodes. Uh, ah, thankfully, of none, none of you are near enough to it uh, to have to make a, a deck save to it. Uh, we go now to number one, who is also going to die uh, and come in a big fiery explosion as well. Uh, and he is gone. Uh, let's see. How close are you there? Yeah, you guys aren't close enough to have... And the tree, the trunk of the tree blocks you from any of the other damage. Uh, the big uh, smokestack is going to take that 27 points of damage. Uh, and after the, uh, the dust settles on that, he is still standing. Okay. He also gets pulled to the to the center of that sphere too. Beautiful. Uh, and that's it's a one time thing. It's not like a, a concentration or anything. So cool. That's my turn. Uh, well, actually, I'm gonna take a couple steps back and move um, behind Sandy here, just like a little bit, uh, and like pat him on the back. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a cleric. I can't give you anything. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> just a little love. Gotta get him, Sandy. All right. With that, we go ahead and pass turn now to Sandy. Sandy, uh, we have three of these little guys left, uh, and one more. Uh, one, one of the uh, the big smokestack guys is still hanging in there. What okay. would you like to do? Uh, Sandy is going to start spinning his glaive in sort of a dancing form. Uh, is as a polearm master, he sort of is constantly in motion with mm. his glaive, and that's. Uh, so it's able to, you know, protect uh, Mick as he's just kind of this whirling mass that reaches out ten feet from him. Um, Prince Oberon he spins, style. He's going to move uh, within range, so he's going to be out of range, mm-hmm. or he's got a ten foot reach. So 
Um, he's going to set up right there, uh, 10 feet from our smokestack, and is going to release some attacks. Great. Uh, with his glaive. Um, that is going to be a 19 on the first hit. 19 hits. And a 16 on the second hit. 16 hits. Okay. And um, I'm going to... Uh, I think I'm going to hold off on my uh, spells right now. As as a polearm master, I can bonus action uh, hit him with the back of my glaive as yeah. well. So that is going to be a 23 to 23 hit. hits. All right. So that's nice. going to be six plus 13 for 19 plus seven for 26 points of... Uh, slashing slash bludgeoning damage. Ooh. As I just release this barrage of slices and hits. Amazing. As you make contact with your uh, last hit, uh, you see that the uh, smokestack kind of turns uh, to you and the uh, butt of your glaive punctures a, a gas pocket in it. Mm. Please make a dexterity saving throw. Oh, oh no. This is what I'm <laughs> bad at. <laughs> All right. Dex saving throw. Uh, negative one to that for a total of six. Oh. Please take 11 <laughs> points of acid damage okay, as great. a corrosive cloud of volcanic gas Ooh. spurts in your direction. That that used up the smokestack's reaction for that turn, but it did take all the damage that you inflicted on it. Okay, cool. That was 11? Yeah, 11 points of acid damage. Okay. okay. I'm doing okay. okay. I got I got some beefy HP, so... And I've got <sighs> lay on hands... Enemies. And I've got a uh, some healing spells, so we, we should be okay for right now. All right. Uh, and with that, I'll, I'll I my turn is over, but I continue to spin my blade and move around here. Beautiful. All right. With that, we go ahead and pass turn now to one of our little guys here, uh, who's gonna use his action. Uh, or actually, no, he's get, get, gets to use his whole movement to get uh, between you and the smokestack. Uh, Sandy, and he's okay. going to try and touch you. With a 22 to hit on, on the touch, you take three points of fire damage. You are also actively on fire now and <laughs> must use your action to douse the fire okay. uh, at the end of... Um, I will take those three points, um, but I would like to take my opportunity attack. As a polearm master, whenever a creature enters... Uh, uh, my reach, they provoke an opportunity attack from me. Go ahead. Lay it on me, baby. That is going to be a 14 to hit. 14 hits. Go ahead and roll damage. And that is going to be 13 points of slashing damage. Oh, yeah. He is all the way dead as you see his fires quench before violently reigniting <laughs> once more. Can you please make a dexterity saving throw? Yes. I can. 13? 13, you are able to avoid the brunt of the damage, taking only one point of fire oh, damage. Nice. I tilt my head and lean my shoulder into the blast, letting my mithril plate armor take most of the heat. We have another one of these guys who is on the far uh, side, kind of away from the fray here, uh, and he's going to make a uh, beeline towards Mick uh, using his action to dash so that he is now oh. within melee range of Mick. That will consume uh, its turn, so we pass to one more of these guys who's going to do the same thing, running in, getting between Sandy and uh, the smokestack, uh, and is going to try to touch you with an 18 to hit. 18 meets it, beats it. All right. 
eight points of fire damage. You are also actively more on fire. (laughs) Oh, great. Uh, Uh, I would like to use... uh, So I think I get another uh, uh, opportunity attack on them because they've entered my space. Yeah, is is this specifically a uh, feature that's based on your reaction or is it just any time? I think it's any time. When you're wielding a glaive, halberd, pike, cordyceps, or spear, other creatures provoke an opportunity attack from you when they enter your reach. It doesn't say anything about using my reaction. So, Derek, had some thoughts on that? Uh, I would say an opportunity attack takes your reaction, but that's what I was thinking too. It doesn't say, I I don't know. Yeah. That's why I sort of created this dancing movement of like my, my glaive is always moving. So it's less like I'm making attack and more like I'm just a swirling energy. But I also no, I, you, you I, rule on it. However let's you rule want. on it. Let's say that uh, you get to make this attack, and we'll look it up later and uh, and adjust if we need to. I mean, I appreciate you letting me deal hella damage, so I will not argue with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's only a nine to hit anyway. That's a nat one. Nat so, one. Fortunately, I think the gods are saying that we were probably we're probably right. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, great. Awesome. Uh, that is going to be the end of the magman's turn, right? Since it got that damage on you, as we go back to the top of the order, uh, the smokestack uh, is going to use its action now, okay. uh, and it begins to belch out thick black smoke in a fifteen foot radius. So that's going to be engulfing. Uh, Sandy and the area like around uh, the smokestack here. You are now in an area that is heavily obscured by the thick black smoke, so you are essentially blinded while you are in this area. Okay, okay. Uh, That is then, as a bonus action, you also, uh, the smokestack uh, uh, burns up with flames a little bit more, and you notice a brief glimpse of... Two little pinpricks of fiery light, uh, glowing on the on the little magmen that uh, is between you and the smokestack. Now, mm, okay. as we pass turn now to Mick. Shoot. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I'm seeing I'm seeing Sandy get. Um, well, I guess I'm not seeing him anymore. And that works. <laughs> yeah. uh, All smoke, uh, baby. Disappears in a cloud of smoke. I think I will. Um, not being too afraid of these little these little things, but knowing that they could explode and hurt me, uh, I'm gonna just run at, uh, run away from it and let it like try to take a swipe. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna try to climb up the tree a little bit and see if that gives me a better vantage point. Like if I can see um, up above, um, maybe a little easier. I don't know. Uh, that, so that's what I'm gonna try to do. Uh, so I'll run out of its reach. And climb up the tree and, and let it take an attack against me. Great. A 14 on the opportunity attack. Uh, so that will hit. All right. As you take 10 points of fire damage, and now your uh, your robes are actively aflame uh, on your neck. You must now use your action to douse. Or you can choose to use your action to douse the flames, and you will be on fire until you use your action to do so. Um, Just like Sandy. <laughs> dang it. Uh... That doesn't do me any good. Um, I will cast Absorb Elements when it does that to me. Ooh, Ooh. all right. Uh, it's a reaction, and I um, am resistant to the damage type, so I'll only take five points of that, and I'll Great. be resistant to future fire. Right. And I'll decide later if I'm going to put myself out. Uh, Perfect. Yeah, so, I'll, so you I'll, only I'll take five that. points of damage. Uh, your robes are still aflame. 
Okay, minus five. And now I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm still going to climb up the tree, being cognizant of like which parts look so scorched that that it won't catch on fire. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm on fire, uh, and then I'm going to um, cast a magic missile at the thing that just um, burned me because I'm mad at it. And, Amazing. Uh, and see what I can do against it. Give me that magic missile. One d four plus one, so that's that's eleven force damage as three darts shoot out of, uh, I don't know, I guess I've, I've probably got a wand um, as I pointed that and, and, and uh, do, 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 just just hope to, to knock it down or, or, or kill it with that shot there. Yeah, the darts hit the magman in the chest uh, and it looks down at itself and says, uh-oh! And explodes again. Uh, you are out of its uh, explosive death burst range, uh, so you do not have to take that uh, saving throw. Sweet. Uh, all right. Now, now that I'm up in the tree, I'm gonna start looking around to see if I can like see any movement from uh, like the the darkness up above or the smoke. And I'm gonna yell down, "Oi, Sandy! Get out of there as soon as you can! Like I can't hit you if they can't see you." <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Peering down into the smoke cloud, it is thick uh, and and billowing. Uh, it it you cannot uh, penetrate through it uh, okay. with just your sight. I figured, but it was worth a shot. Mm, All right, yeah. that's my turn. All right, with that, we go now to Sandy. You are in the smoke cloud right now. You are, it is, you are essentially blinded. As a reminder of uh, the blinded condition, a blinded creature can't see and automatically fails any ability checks that require sight. Attack rolls against you have advantage, and your attacks have disadvantage. Um, I think Which hearing... is goofy, because if you're both blinded, does that just cancel it out? Exactly. Right. That's what yeah. I think. Since, since advantage and disadvantage doesn't stack in 5e. Right. Yeah, it's Everyone's you're, just... you're basically back at, at null. Um, hearing Mix, uh, encouraging words ring out of, get out of the fire, get out of the smoke. Um, uh, uh, Sandy is going to hit the dust and roll. Do, do a nice stop, drop, and roll. Stop, and, drop, and roll. Uh, roll uh, <laughs> 10 feet back out of the smoke. Great. Uh, using I'm going to take take that as my action yeah, to absolutely. Like, douse the flames. Absolutely. And I'm picturing like this kind of continuing the spinning motion with his glaive, stands back up, and continues his uh, dance. Yeah. Um, is ready. Um, that is my action and i'm gonna say movement to get out yeah that was some movement yeah um i will say uh one of the creatures within the uh fire the smoke here is gonna take an opportunity attack against you they can't see i you will i will take that all right uh with a seven uh you you just feel the heat uh on your cheek but uh no contact is made as you are able to douse the flames and roll out of the smoke cloud uh and then if i say i have some extra movement i'm gonna just put myself next to Mick. In case anyone tries to get close to him, they will be in my range, or potentially. I guess if they go around the other way, no, but um, uh, just look up at... Well, you're And you're in the tree, right? Right. I was trying, yeah. To, yeah. I was trying to climb up and see if I could find you. Yeah. <laughs> Sandy looks up and it's, it's hot in there. <laughs> and then continues his dance. Uh, Sandy's and face is just soot stained, like black. Yeah. Um, and it's just going to be ready uh, for them to enter his space. Great. Awesome. With that, we go ahead and pass turn uh, to one of these magnets here uh, who is going to come running out of the smoke uh, and is going to enter your melee range here, Sandy. 
and try to touch you with a Bastard 20 to hit. Bastard 20 is going to hit. Four points of fire damage, and you are now on fire again. Okay, great. <laughs> hot, 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 hot. It'll use the rest of its movement to get back into the smoke. Oh, I will take my opportunity attack, though. Go ahead and roll to hit. Um, so, and I actually did just look up. Uh, that's going to be 23 to hit. Nice. And that is going to be 10 points of slashing damage. Is your glaive uh, a, a magical weapon for the purposes of attacks? It is not. Great. Um, according to RPG Stack Exchange... I love those guys. It says... Polearm Master lets you use your reaction to make an opportunity attack when a creature enters your reach, in addition to the opportunity attack any character can make when a creature leaves their reach. So, yeah, right. it takes my reaction. Great. Makes sense. So you only you would only get one of those per turn. Yeah. Per round of combat. Okay. Great. So it's just like an extra thing I can do with my reaction. Amazing. Cool. I will it take is useful. that. And, uh, Cool. Especially in a, in a fight like this where you got people running in and out and doing yeah. shady stuff. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Going ahead and passing turn back atop with a, to the smoke stack. Uh, you hear uh, the sounds of heavy feet uh, clumping uh, mm-hmm. nearer to you. Uh, nothing erupts from the cloud, but what you... Rather, you smell a pungent sulfurous odor. Okay. Uh, Mick, you smell it too. Uh, and it seems to permeate the area around all of you. Uh, and that is going to be that as we pass now to Mick. Okay. Do I have to make any kind of saving throws? Nope. By chance? Okay. No saving throws. Well, uh, I don't like that at all. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> 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 uh I'm going to look down at Sandy and say, we're in a crossroads, mate. Should we jump down? I've got a way to get us down safely, or should we stay here and fight it out? Um, well, I'm a bit concerned that these things will continue to lay waste to the this region. This may be part of the reason the fire is spreading so quickly. I wonder if we need to destroy these things to help the village. Ah, you're right. I, mean, I would All like right, to uh, run. They seem like they're just doing what they like to do, but it is putting others in harm's way. Blast you and your ideals. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, your damn conscience. <laughs> Firebolt literally just says you hurl a mote of fire at a creature or object within range. It doesn't say I gotta see him. Great. So yeah. I'm just gonna chuck a firebolt in there and, and hope that it hits something. I saw, I like, I heard the thing clumping around, so I've got an approximation. Uh, I'm assuming it's with disadvantage. Uh, yes, it'll be disadvantage on rolling to hit. Uh, okay, so seven plus eight is fifteen. Fifteen. Uh, it hits on one of these creatures. Excellent. As I am a level. 10. It is 2d10 damage. 2d10 fire damage? Yes. Thank you. Uh, so that's 8 fire damage um, to whichever one I happen to hit. Great. Uh, you hurl. Does anything. You hurl your fire bolt uh, into the smoke cloud. Uh, as your uh, the fire is kind of like uh, growing from your fingertip, uh, you catch another strong whiff of that sulfurous odor and <laughs> the air ignites in a 15-foot radius 
uh, originating from some unseen uh, thing inside of the inside of the smoke cloud here. Uh, yeah. Every all both of you can please make dexterity saving throws. <laughs> yes. Uh. uh. <laughs> hey, fighting oh. fire with fire. You gotta do it. All right. Four. Oh. Uh, Sandy, you will be taking half of that damage. Uh, you'll only be taking six points, uh, whereas our dear friend Mick is going to be taking the full 12 points of fire damage. Ooh, it's hard to dodge in a tree, you know? It's hard. And I'm already <laughs> on fire, so... Oh, oh the tree is also going to be taking this damage, too. Oh. You hear it crack and careen uh, a little bit. It is on its last little bits of trunk right. currently so to speak. Um, how much fire damage do I take since I'm on fire? Oh, yeah, you didn't you didn't uh, douse yourself, so you would be taking an additional three points of fire damage. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, I'm not I'm not very happy, but uh, that's my turn. Yeah, I can see like little, little your, your eyebrows are like singed a little bit here. <laughs> As we pass when, when turn I'm now. When I'm above ground, I've got goggles so that I can see it at during the day, like in sunlight. So I'm sure I'm gonna look like a raccoon after this. It'll be great. <laughs> Sandy and I will be quite the pair. Yes, Sandy, we go now to you. All right. Uh, so we assume that the big one is down. We can't see the smoke is still there, right? The smoke is still there. It's not dissipating. Ooh. All right. Well, and also our tree is starting to... Yeah, it, it's gotten chopped a little bit. Now it's been in the middle of an explosion. <laughs> Tree's not looking too good. Um, look, I know we should def defeat these things, but it looks like our way down is going to collapse. So perhaps we should... No? You have, a, you have an, another yeah, option? I, I got it covered, mate. Don't worry about the tree. All right. Then... You can with... chop it down if you need to. <laughs> I'll chuck the tree, <laughs> says Mick. Okay. You know what? I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to bonus action cast Aura of Vitality. Mm. Um, as this sort of a little a wisp of wind spins around me and sort of plumes the smoke a little uh, and pushes it about 30 feet away. Not, like, actually, but, mm -hmm. you know, that's the vibe of my spell. Um and uh, as a bonus action, oh, I didn't want to do that twice. Um, uh, you regain 2d6 hit points for anyone within 30 feet of me. So that goes for both of us. Um, and that is a um, concentration up to one minute. So I'm going to keep that up. Yeah. Um, so we both will take, ooh. 12 points. Nice. Of oh, healing. your action, and then you use your bonus action to heal somebody else. That's dope. Um, yeah. Well, so that was my that was my bonus action, and that heals both of us. Nice. Action to cast, bonus action to heal. Yeah. No, it is a bonus action to cast. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's yeah, not Yeah, sorry. Uh, action to cast, <laughs> bonus action to heal. Yes. I'm you don't have to do, to do that. that if you don't need to. You could. You can just keep slinging at him. And well, we and I later. think because but. I have my reaction, I'm, again, just going to oh, take yeah. up my position and wait for them to come out of the smoke. So Perfect. I will do that because I need it, too. So uh, I will use my action, bonus action to heal us, and then I'll wait. I'll just hold hold my ground. Yeah. Maybe I'll holler at them to be like, 
Come on out. Yes. Taunt him out. Perfect. Yeah. So uh, is that your turn? Does that heal both of us, or is it just one of us that you choose to heal? Uh, oh, until the uh, spell ends you can use a bonus speed. action to cause one creature in the aura, including you, to regain two d six. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I missed about that. But yes, okay. I will. I'm going to use that first round on me, but I have ten more rounds that I can use it. So mm-hmm. I'll just keep that up for now. Great. So yes, that's good actually, catch. Good catch. Wow, that's a lot of healing for a. Right, as long as you can keep that concentration up. Yeah, that's the spell. that's the challenge. That's right. that's twenty d six if you're casting it out of combat. Right. What? It's pretty crazy. Not... Wow, I never thought about that. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. And that's like a third level spell there. Yeah, it's yeah. not bad. Burning one of my big ones. All right, we go now to the smaller magman who is going to come out of the smoke here and get into your melee range. Uh, it is going to try and touch you for a bastard 20 to hit. That on is going to hit. Sandy, with seven points of fire damage, you are on fire once more. Okay. Uh, seven points, you said? Mm-hmm. Cool. As a bonus action, uh, you the, the magman also uses its ignited illumination uh, to burst uh, into uh, bright flames again. It is essentially w- walking around as a lit torch okay. currently. I'm going to use my reaction to attack it for 21. 21 hits. 13 points of slashing damage. It is dead. Go nice. ahead and make a dexterity saving throw. Cool. That's a 19. 19. All right. You will only be taking four points of fire damage. Okay. And then I need to roll con to keep up my spell, which is what, a DC 10? Because DC I have 10, 10 or half that. the damage, whichever is okay. more. Yeah. That's a dirty Twice. 20. Easy. So I keep my spell up. Nice. And we pass turn now to the smokestack, who is going to, within, still within the confines of the smoke cloud here, uh, you hear, uh, as a pyroclastic belch uh, comes flying towards you, Mick. With a nine to oh. hit, uh, you are able to avoid... Uh, the ash and rocks that spew from its mouth. I'm like um, up on a branch and I like swing down really quick on my arms to avoid it and then I like I'm clamoring back up again while on fire. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> we go now to you, Mick. Uh, okay. Uh, do I smell that same gas in the air or did I ignite all of it myself last round? Yeah, you take a whiff around uh, and you do not smell any more of that sulfurous gas. Okay, I'm gonna try to firebolt it again because I can't see it still. Um, and just do what I can do here. Okay. Uh, oh, right. Disadvantage. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a 12. 12 is going to miss. Dang. Um, and I, how many more fire damage points do I take? That'll be another four points of fire damage. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, Doing the mental math in my head, I realized that that I think that's the last of them, so I'm going to start clambering down um, back to ground level. Great. Okay. Okay, that's my turn. All right. Sandy, it is now your turn. You know, I'm going to move into the smoke, not knowing where he is, but knowing that I'm probably within... He's within 10 feet of me. Yeah. And I'm going to swing... uh, I'm going to take... circle. I'm going to use my bonus action to to heal myself again. <laughs> Great. 2d6. Real quick. Uh, just because I'm taking that damage. That is going to be three points. Nice. That wasn't great, but 
I will take it. Go ahead and roll to hit with disadvantage. And then I will roll to hit. I've got two attacks. Disadvantage is going to be an 11 on the first. Oh, <sighs> 11 on the second. That's so Two bad. 11s are going to miss. Okay. Cool. All right. We go now uh, back to the top of the order with the smokestack. Uh, as another pyroclastic belch heads towards Mick with a 22 to hit, dealing unto you nine points of uh, fire damage. You are also now blinded by the ash and soot in your face until you take an action to wipe away the ash and soot. So you are blind and on fire. (laughs) As we pass turn now to Mick. Um, Take a... Take care of yourself, man. You yeah, if I can't see and I'm on fire, I guess you I'll, gotta, I'll put you out the fire first. Those uh, just just to keep the, to mitigate the damage, and I'll th- that's that's what I'll do. All right, you'll douse your flames. Yeah, great. Any movement or bonus actions? Uh, no, no. All right, Sandy, we're back to you in the smoke uh, cloud. I think I'm gonna try. Those two attacks were bad, but I'm keeping up my dancing movement. I kind of want to save my other stuff, so I'm going to just do two attacks again at disadvantage. Great. That is a... Bastard 20. Bastard 20 on the first, and 17 on the second. Both connect. For seven plus 17 points of slashing damage. You sink your glaive into some hard rock at last. Uh, You feel the heat of it coming up your glaive uh, blade, too. Um, It will die. Uh, oh, yeah. As you and s- this is going to hurt. <laughs> oh, yeah. Please make a dexterity saving throw. 13. 13. You only take two points of fire damage as the uh, smokestack magman <laughs> erupts. All right. I'm going to make that constitution, constitution saving throw. Oh, right. Keep that spell up. Amazing. Uh, the smokestack, the magmans have all been felled, save for the one that uh, ran away into the grass. Uh, you guys are now out of combat. All right. Mick, you see Sandy kind of emerging from this I cloud of Sandy. smoke. Oh, yeah, no, you're still blind. <laughs> um, I'm with, like, wandering uh, around. I, I will come up to Mick and, like, take, take his head in my hands and wipe away the gunk with my thumbs from his eyes. And with that, since I do still have Aura of Vitality up, I'm going to burn four rounds of healing on Mick. Nice. Or I guess maybe rounds until you're fully healed. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you when. Um, so let me do this. Uh, uh, 11 points. Okay. So now we're down to seven. Uh, another seven points. Okay. So now we're down to six rounds. Um, and then another ten points. Okay, I'm, f- I'm five shy. Five shy. I'll full. do. I'll yep. do one more. Okay. For eight points. Nice. Nice. And then I've got four of those that I'm going to do for me. <laughs> Assuming this is how aura vitality works, but it, that's how I understand it to work. That makes sense to me. So I'm going to take eight. See if I can do. Y'all are also like ten level ten characters. Yeah. It makes sense. You have That's you true. should have access to like this type of, this uh, type of magic. Let me do. Who else is it? Okay, it's just a paladin spell, so paladins wouldn't get a level three for a while. 
Yeah. Right. I guess that okay, sense. that makes sense. Um, yeah. Eight plus eight. Woo! That taking, was helpful. Taking a couple of seconds uh, after the, the fight has ended to catch your breath and restore your <laughs> vitality. You are both now uh, surrounded by the littered remains of the uh, of the magmans. By now, the the winds of the plains have picked up a little bit and have blown away the black cloud of smoke. Uh, so you can see the remains of the big smokestack guy there. Uh, his his charred remains smoldering like charcoal. Uh, great, you guys are still at the lip of the uh, of the at the lip of the sinkhole here. The Access to the tunnel that you're trying to get to is 25 feet below you. What would you all like to do? Yeah, uh, I'm like leaning against the tree, trying to catch my breath a little bit as we're as we're doing this, and I just say to Sandy, "Oh man, it's like it's like those attacks were carefully coordinated. It's the tactics on those guys were insane. Oh man, <laughs> I think they uh, know anyway. knew what they were doing, and hopefully they they, they did. They did. fires in these realms will quell them a bit. Um, you said you had a way to get down." I, I do. Uh, I've got a spell called Fitherfall where we can just fall down and uh, and hopefully like grab onto the ledge or something like that. I, I'm not sure, quite sure how the how the mechanics work of like falling down and and getting in there, but I'm assuming we can move around a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, even if you just like if you just like dropped off right off of the lip and you just extended a hand out, you'd be able to catch the uh, the mouth of the tunnel on your way down. Excellent. I also have the immovable rod too, so I could just like feather fall and then click it while we're both holding it, and then like oh, step perfect. Off. You got that, that's that's what it. we'll do. That way, I can use it at least this one time. I'm sure I'll use it again. All right. Yes. Yeah. So I'll cast feather fall on both of us. Nice. And we'll just gently descend and and get off like an elevator down to a laboratory or something. Hold, holding onto the immovable rod like a safety bar. Just <laughs> exactly. Please keep your hands and feet inside the immovable rod at all times. <laughs> It's like a like a ski lift or something. <laughs> yeah, with the lap belt uh, or a roller coaster. Cool. Yeah, uh, I will do that. Amazing. As you descend down, uh, aided by the feather fall and with the um, immovable rod at the ready, you can feel that even just descending down a couple of feet, like the heat already is like increasing by magnitudes that weren't felt uh, above uh, above the sinkhole. Uh, easily enough, you click the rod when you need to, and then you are able to easily shimmy into place, uh, and you are now within the tunnel's mouth. What would you all like to do? Oh, feels like the high heat season and back in the desert. Um, I suppose we should move on and, and see what might have created this cavern. Does it look naturally made, or Go ahead and burrowed? roll either nature or investigation. Nature or investigation? Mm-hmm. I'll do nature. 18? 18. These tunnels uh, are much too uniform to have been naturally made. Uh, they are pretty uniformly five feet uh, in diameter. Um, so you can comfortably like kind of walk through it. Maybe our taller folks might have to hunch a little bit. Uh, but... You can only walk one person in front of the other, like single file. Uh, not a lot of room to move around, uh, or, or you know, you'd have to occupy each other's space to move past each other. There, you can also see that the tunnel that is opening to the south 
uh, the one that magma is dribbling out of. It, it seems to be of the same shape and makeup as the tunnel that you are in. You, you, can, you can assume that that is another tunnel that wasn't a natural formation. Now, whether it was caused by creature or machine um, may be a little harder to decipher, but you do know that this tunnel was not always here, right? Hmm. Uh, is it? Is there any glowing further down the tunnel, like indications of more lava or magma or anything? Or is it pretty dry? Or, I mean, not dry, but solid? Yeah. Go ahead and roll perception, please. Okay. I will cast light uh, and extend it further down the tunnel to assist you. Beautiful. I got a 22. 22, amazing. Especially with the, with the help of that light spell. Uh, you can see further down uh, the tunnel that you are in. You can see that occasionally, like, there are little glints of maybe some, like, uh, like shiny rocks um, or other, like, bits of ore that are protruding from the walls, but you don't see any magma flame or anything that's uh, as actively or naturally producing light down there. Were it not for the light cant- or the light spell that has been cast, you would have been immediately shrouded in absolute darkness, uh, as you descended further down the tunnel and kind of curved with its uh, curvature. Um, yes, and I do cast that on my glaive. So the blade of my glaive uh, begins to glow. Glaive blade. Glaive blade. Um, and I will... Um, A light glaver. Yeah, glaver. <laughs> I glaive light. Um, and I will... Uh, I, I'll lead the way. And... Um, I stand in the front of the tunnel and we'll start marching with my light out for us so we can see. Amazing. With Sandy at the front and Mick in the back, uh, you continue down uh, into this tunnel. It weaves up and down slightly, meanders to the left and to the right. Uh, it seems to stay at a pretty level pace uh, until you notice a pretty dramatic shift in elevation as the tunnel dips downward before leveling out a little bit more. At this point, uh, can you go ahead and Derek roll for me a D4? Yes. Um, is it so? You said meandering. It's not sharp angles. It is like kind of. It, yeah, it, it is smooth, almost as if like carved by like a river. You could say, follows yeah, okay. the uh, kind of a path of least resistance. As you've All been right. wandering now for, three. you've been wandering now for three hours uh, in the dark of the tunnels. It is now that as your journey deeper beneath the smoldering hills, clumps of dirt dislodge from the earthen walls of the narrow tunnel. The aroma of burnt earth fills the network of tunnels, accompanied by occasional smears of soot. The tunnel ahead abruptly shifts downwards, revealing chunks of metal ore jutting from the walls. Suddenly, more dirt begins to shake loose from the direction you came, and a section of the tunnel collapses with a loud rumble. Uh The earth from the collapse churns, as do all the walls around you. The path to your back is blocked. What would you all like to do? Like a cave-in? Yeah, the part of it is caved in. Okay. Uh, did we hear rumbling moving around, or was it just like like a like a an instant collapse kind of thing? There was like a a, a little bit of of churning. It wasn't like a long sustained rumble, like an earthquake. It was more um, felt like a shift in the dirt. Okay. Um, this isn't like a run scenario where it's continuing to collapse and we need to like move quickly. As the dust settles, it does not, it, it does not seem that any other sections of the tunnel are in active, uh, like succession, like moving in quick succession and in, in further collapsing. Uh, but there is 
like kind of the earth is kind of bubbling and churning a little bit, especially in from the mound that uh, that fell and blocked your path to the rear. Okay, like that 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 wall that now wall of earth is bubbling, moving. You can see that little bits of the rock and clods of earth are like tumbling down off of it. Uh, it th- there's yeah, there's movement in the dirt. Hmm. Well, I don't like this one bit. I. I agree. I don't love that we're now trapped down here. Is there seem to be you said uh ore and stuff has shown up on the the in the direction that we've been moving. Is it opening up into like a mine shaft or anything like that or it just looks like it's been revealed by whatever has tunneled through this? That the, the direction that you were heading in has stayed clear. Nothing has collapsed or shifted in that regard. Uh you've just noticed now that the tunnel still is the same dimensions as it was. But now there are um, clods of ore and other like minerals that protrude from it. You and it did take a sharp downward turn, so you're not necessarily able to always see kind of down and further into the path. Okay. Well, I, I could try to get whatever is moving around to fight us. I have compelled <laughs> duel, um, but it's only thirty feet. I'm nervous it wouldn't be within range. Um, so part of me is wondering if we just want to continue to move down the path and see maybe yeah, that's what I'm if thinking. we see uh, something. We take quick steps, start moving right. quickly, <laughs> try to get out of here uh, before whatever this is finds us. Yes, I agree. Uh, and we'll continue to move down the path. I will recast light as it only lasts for an hour. It is a cantrip, so I feel like yeah. I feel like as soon as the earth started rumbling, it lined up perfectly with when my light spell ended. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Just yeah, plunged us it into clicks darkness. off and then all of a sudden... <laughs> oh, no. Great. So cast it again. You we'll... cast uh, your light cantrip once more, uh, and you notice that... You know how, like, a cat has, like, little reflective eyes, right? Mm-hmm. As, you're, as you're moving your glaive forward again, at the bend of the tunnel here, you notice that it catches on a set of little beady eyes. And then you hear... A little chirp, like a little, like a little songbird, and that's when you notice that. Area in the coal mine. (laughs) Well, it's good time. It means there's oxygen down here, so. I suppose so. And that's when you notice that those pair of beady eyes aren't alone, and the churning earth that is underfoot is not earth, but a collection of little black birds. With beady eyes and uh, little little reddish protrusions coming out of their furry, feathery skin uh, as they begin to chirp. <laughs> Suddenly, they all turn towards you, all of the eyes catching in the light of your light spell, and they all at the same time go. Please roll for initiative. Hey. I, I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> Rolling for initiative. Oh, that's going to be a three. All right. Great. Um, Sandy is definitely like, if they don't hurt us, we can't hurt them. So I feel like that's why Sandy's very low in initiative every time. If I'm going to wait, like, hey, it's okay. We're nice. (laughs) Sandy's words hit your ears, Mick, as another swarm of these small little mole-like creatures 
erupt from the uh, collapsed bit of dirt that y'all were uh, leaving behind. Uh, and he is it is going to just move straight towards you here. The swarm swarms completely around you. So they are like around your legs and everything. They're these tiny little things. Uh, and they're going to go ahead and try and get a claw attack in on you with a 13 to hit. I'm going to use uh, one of my uh, portents um, when I was uh, looking into the future this morning as I was meditating. <laughs> I, I saw that we would be in danger, and so I'm going to use uh, a, a reroll here, and I'm going to force you to use a six instead of whatever you rolled. Great. Six plus four, to ten you. to hit. Nice. Okay. So that's going to miss. I, I like flashback in my mind. I do like my little la- that's so raven thing, and then I like <laughs> jump out of their way. <laughs> nice. Wonderful. Great. Uh, Then we're going to go ahead and pass turn now to Mick Proper uh, with another swarm on deck and Sandy in the hole. Uh, Okay. uh, I am going to cast Confusion on the swarm that is currently surrounding me. Mm, Okay. Okay. Um, The spell assaults and twist creatures' minds, spawning delusions and provoking uncontrolled actions. Each creature in a 10-foot radius sphere centered on a point you choose must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or be affected by it. And then I roll a d10 to see what happens to them. So I I don't know if you're going to roll just one for the swarm or what. Uh, Yeah, the swarm is going to work as a a unit. Okay. And what what was the save? A DC 16 wisdom save. Wiz save. All right. The swarm rolled a two. And just for clarification, is this specifically like a charm or frightened or stunned or petrified type of condition? Good question. Um, No, it's going to force them to do something. Great. Awesome. I love that. Okay. So I'm going to roll a d10 to see what the effect is. Six. Two to six. The creature doesn't move or take actions this turn. Uh, I don't know if that's just this turn or or if it's like their next turn it, it just says this turn yeah anyway. it'll uh, we'll say that like for its next turn coming up here okay so yeah uh they're they're confused they don't know what's going on and they're gonna stay put um i am going to because of that um they, they kind of like i'm guessing they like get a glassy look in their eyes or something yeah uh, i'm gonna like try to back up and, and, and like get up against Sandy's back here and uh, and say, I think I got these ones taken care of for a bit. Uh, what do you got on your side? Uh, and then, uh, yeah, that'll be my turn. All right, we go now to the swarm. Uh, the swarm, you can see that it's like squinting uh, in the light of your glaive, Sandy, as they make a beeline towards you. Uh, and they kind of engulf the area around your feet here as they go in for a claw attack with a 16 to hit. That is going to miss. All right. Yes, Mithril coming in clutch. Yes. Passing turn now to Sandy. Sandy is going to uh, just take some swipes at these things, uh, try to see if they can, you know, whack these bird mole-like creatures <laughs> with his glaive. Uh, that is going to be a 23 to hit. Hits. That is going to be a 21 to hit. Hits. And I'll bonus action do the butt and a 24 to hit for the butt of Oh, nine. yeah. All those hit. Dang. Yes. Uh, nine slashing plus 14 slashing. Nine. Plus 14. six bludgeoning for a total of 29 points of damage. It's bludgeoning. Amazing. Solid hits here, my friend. Ooh, those are good rolls. All right. <laughs> 
Yeah, you can see that as you're uh, kind of hacking and slashing and bludgeoning your, the, the, the swarm, a lot of them are able to kind of like, you hit a couple as they go down, but the swarm as itself seems to be resistant to this uh, very basic form of damage, right? You're only be able to like squash a couple here and there with your attacks. Still may, able to make a, a sizable dent in the swarm of whack-a-moles. We go now to the moles that are uh, surrounding uh, Mick. They are still uh, in a daze currently, and will choose to not uh, do their uh, action as we go and pass to Mick. It, it doesn't say in confusion if they have to make the save. Oh, wait. Oh, yes. At the end of its turn, it can make a wisdom saving throw if, if it succeeds the effect end. So, yeah. Oh, um, do, have they started moving again, or do they see still seem stunned? Uh, they uh, got a 17 on the whiz save at the end of their turn. Dang. Uh, you know what? I'm going to use another portent. Why not? Uh, yeah. yeah. Got to burn them while I've got them. Uh, I'm going to make you take an 11 instead. Great. 11, nice. 11, e- 11 neat. Oh, I love that you, so you roll and you know. I forgot that's how portent worked. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I clicked it at the very beginning and it rolled a six and eleven and I was like, all right, I'll take them. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, those are all used up though. Um, now, now we're we're uh, playing with uh, <laughs> with house money. Okay, um, so I'll roll another d10 then to see what they do. It's a concentration spell. Nice. Um, two. Okay, and that's uh, falls with un- under the two to six, so that creature doesn't move or take actions again. Um, nice. All right. Uh, I am going to. I'm gonna step over them this direction since I'm not worried about them trying to hit me, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna try to like raise my wand up above them and just firebolt them from the top. Yeah, and, and see if I can get them. <laughs> see if I can uh, damage a, a few of them that way. So <laughs> absolutely, roll to um, hit. Should I roll straight or if they're? It doesn't say they're incapacitated, so I'm just going to make it a straight Yeah, roll. I think it's going to go a straight roll. Oh, you don't get 12. any mods on that? What was that? 12. 12, yeah. Uh, 12 eight. is not going to hit. Dang it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm too creeped out, I guess. I'm like, I'm doing the walk when you're like walking through. Yeah, you don't like. Uh, and so I'm, I'm a little I'm a little skittish and I, I miss my shot. Um, yeah, that's what, that's that's my turn. All right, now back to Sandy's swarm, the swarm that is going around him. It is going to try another claw attack uh, with a 16 to hit. That misses. All right, we pass turn to Sandy. Ping, ping, ping. They all bounce off my mithril armor. Um, (laughs) uh, Noticing that these things were a little resistant to my glaive attack, I'm going to just sort of calm myself, sort of like I'm talking to children. I'm just like, okay, I think it's time for you all to take a little break. How about a nap? And I'm going to cast sleep. Nice. The whack-a-moles. All right. Um, At first level, it does 5d8, uh, 21 total hit points. So if, uh, I believe, if that swarm has 21 hit points left, Mm -hmm. it will, or if it has more than that, then it won't fall asleep. But if it does, it will fall asleep. Uh, a, a yawn sweeps through the uh, swarm of whack-a-moles, but they <laughs> shake it off. Oh, Their no. beady little eyes trained, uh, <laughs> squinting in the light of the glaive. Oh, no. I thought that would do it. All right. We go back to the top uh, with the first uh, swarm that is in a daze right now. They get to repeat their whiz save, correct? Yeah. Awesome. Seven. Okay. 
Miss. No go. I, I'm gonna look up at Sandy uh, and say, Sandy, are you having any luck with these things? Uh, no, not a lot. <laughs> uh, I think I'm just gonna try to firebolt again and see if <laughs> yeah. I can have a steadier aim this time. Uh, uh, okay, uh, that'll be better. That'll be a 16. 16 meets it and beats it. Give me oh, some damage. Uh, five fire damage. That's something. Now back to Sandy's swarm. Uh, doing the same thing, they're going to uh, go ahead and try another claw attack here. Nat one uh, for five total. Okay. As they are just helpless against his mithral armor. You can see that, like, just the light of the glaive is just really seems to be fucking with their eyes as we pass turn now to Sandy. So sleep is a concentration spell, so I can keep sleep up. I yep. believe I would have to use my action again to try and put them to sleep. But if I use a different spell, would that end sleep? As long as it isn't a concentration spell. Another concentration spell would end sleep. Okay. Um, but, you know, you can try your to inflict that sleep again. Okay. Uh, then uh, Sandy is going to say, all right, I think you might need a timeout and is going to cast Word of Radiance, uh, which is a um, cantrip. Uh, it's a constitution saving throw All right, from our friends. <laughs> they got a 17. Oh, that is oh. going to succeed. Lord almighty. <laughs> they will take half damage. Uh, so they are going to take four points of radiant damage uh, from that. Four points of radiant damage? Yeah. All right. With the radiance and the fire damage, does it appear like it's affecting them more than, say, his slashing was or not? Definitely definitely in, in that regard. The uh, fire okay. damage was able to get the, all of them rather than just kind of singling a couple of them out. Good, good. That's what we like. I'm going to risk an opportunity attack, and I'm going to take my movement to go here, right by Nick. <laughs> and back maybe they'll have to claw their way through their Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go ahead there and I'll take that um, opportunity attack so Sandy you have now taken a position between Mick and the swarms here uh, wonderful I believe they get an opportunity attack on me oh, as thank I you. leave their range 17 to hit misses Damn. Ping, 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 ping. thank you armor alright great anything That's else um no, that is going to be, um, that was my, I guess I could, you know what? I'm going to bonus action as I run away, try to just like bonk one with my, the butt of my glaive. Hell yeah. Because uh, I can bonus action as a, that's going to be a 13 to hit. Miss. I miss. Dang it. I tried. All right, we are back at the top of the order with the... Uh, so these guys that that are under the effect of your spell, Mick, they, they can't do nothing right now? Um, yeah, they still make a, a, a save on this turn, and if they succeed, then next turn they're not affected. Wonderful. Um, they got a yeah. 14 for their whiz save. Okay, still still didn't make it. Here's another D10 to see what happens to him this turn. Uh, with a 9, it says... Uh, 9 to 10. The creature can act and move normally. Oh, okay. Well, they get to do their normal thing. Um, at the end of its turn... Yeah, sorry. So so, so they get a normal turn. This turn? Yep. Oh, sweet. Okay, sweet. Uh, so, great. Uh, swarm number one is going to pile uh, around Sandy here and is going to try a claw attack. Uh, with a 10 to hit, it is going to miss. 
just these tight quarters. Um, what can I do around Sandy? Can I reach around him at all? It would be difficult terrain to move through his space. Okay. Uh, and the swarm, if you left their melee range, would get uh, an opportunity. At, or, well, they wouldn't, but because they already used their opportunity attack, but yeah. What if I try to reach, just like reach around the side of him and attack the, oh, yeah. the swarm that was against him? Yeah, yeah that's that. fine. Yeah, go for okay, it. Okay, I'm going to do Firebolt again and just see if I can smash a few more of them. Uh, uh, five plus eight is 13. Dang it. I'm going to use I'm gonna use one of my luck points here. Come on. And I'm going to re-roll that. Here we go. Nice. Okay, so that's 22. 22. Nice. And is this on, on the swarm that's around Sandy? Uh, no, uh, swarm number number three there. Great. The, the one that further down the hall that was... Uh, pestering him earlier. Uh, okay, 2d10 damage here. Okay, that's better. 10 fire damage on that swarm. Beautiful. Yeah, you immolate another half of this swarm. Okay. Uh, right. Yeah, that's what I got. All right. From here, it is now going to be uh, the swarm who was just hit by the flames. Uh, as they kind of look around, their numbers dwindled. They begin to burrow into the earth. <laughs> Uh, and they disappear from sight. Oh, thank goodness. And we go ahead and pass turn now to Sandy. You have a swarm around your feet. All right. I am going to do uh, two attacks against the swarm at my feet. Um, that is going to be a 13 to hit on the first. Miss. And, oh, nine to hit on the second. Miss. Well, that kind of ruins oh. what I was going to do because <laughs> I was going to try to do... A divine smite, but that doesn't really do anything if I don't hit them. Um, if you don't hit, you can't do your your uh, butt end of your of your glaive. I could still do the butt end of my glaive. Oh yeah, so I guess I could do that. Um, I can bonus action. Great. Do the butt end. Let's see if I hit them for the butt. Twenty one. Twenty one hits. And I'm gonna do uh, five points of bludgeoning damage, and then I'm gonna burn a divine smite at first level for 2d8 um, radiant damage. It's going to be nine points of radiant damage. Let me mark off one of my spells. Yeah. Uh, the, Lighting with the, the butt end. That's just, so awesome. Ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> you shall not swarm. <laughs> yeah, <that's> exactly. <laughs> you have managed to level another uh, clump of these uh, whack-a-moles. Uh, a swarm is still standing strong, though. Anything else? Uh, that is going to be it for my turn. Um, yeah, I'm going to stay there. Um, Great. But I might uh, whisper over my shoulder to Mick and say, if we keep moving down the tunnel, perhaps I can put them to sleep this next round. All right. The swarm is going to move uh, through Sandy's space. Do you want to move into then? Sandy, well, do you I... want to move this turn if you're saying that? Or... I guess I'd wait for you. you I probably would wait for you to move first, as opposed to trying to move through your space. But maybe that's not necessary. No, you're at the front. Oh, behind me is like the collapsed tunnel. I can't go anywhere. Oh, we're trying to move further down this way. Oh, then I will definitely yeah. move. I will move. Okay. I'm gonna take off. I'll move like probably 25 feet or over to the bend. Great. Yeah. The the uh, opportunity attack missed. Okay. Cool. As the swarm moves uh, into mixed space, takes a attack proper with a twenty-three to hit. Uh, I, I think they got to make their save. Again oh, right, turn. right, right. Yeah, eighteen. 
Oh. Dang, okay, they made it. Great. Uh, so then I'll reroll that uh, to hit. A 15 to hit? Uh, yeah, that hits, but I'm going to cast shield as a reaction. Wonderful. Nice. All right. Uh, and blast, of, or, yeah, prevent him from getting at me. Okay. Great. They do not make contact in that case. And as they leave your space and walk behind, you see them kind of like jumping, like the, the lead one jumps and all the other ones kind of jump behind him and it begins to burrow into the uh, collapsed earth behind you all out of sight. Oh, all right. Cool. In that case, I'm going to run up next to Sandy and like back to back, like sit there and be like, Shh, and like yeah. listen and see if we can hear them moving around at all. Cause I don't want to be ambushed. But I have a feeling that they're they're looking for self-preservation here. Yeah. yeah. You take a moment, 30 seconds passes, a minute passes. No more churning earth in the tunnel around you. It seems like for this moment, the whack-a-moles have left you. I will um, <laughs> dispel um, sleep as I had it ready in my hand. The A light, you know, tinkling, somber... Do, 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 do. Like <laughs> background sleep noise ends as I end sleep. Yeah, the, um, uh, imagine like the, a sleep spell is just like the like uh, like waves crashing. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wonderful. Yeah, y'all are machine. now out of combat. Oh. Excellent. Uh, the tunnels around you are kind of like pockmarked with like churned earth. You can see like the little, the little like residue that was left behind as these things like moved in and out of the space here. Great. So the whack-a-moles have left the tunnel here. Um, and the tunnel, like I said, continues uh, following like kind of a, a steep decline. Uh, uh, you can see that the earth here is kind of replete with clods of, of ore and other, other uh, shiny rocks here. Uh, what would you all like to do? Let's um, continue to move down the tunnel. And, uh, yeah, there's no other way to go. We got we to gotta keep going down. All right, and Sandy will, yeah, keep moving down. Y'all continue, and Sandy's in the lead for this one? Yes. Great. Light emanating from my glaive. Uh, it, by the light of the glaive turn, uh, you are all walking down the tunnel here. Until, until it finally opens up. Exiting the earthen tunnel, you find yourself in a vast limestone cavern, adorned with ore deposits gleaming from its walls. The cavern echoes with the sound of water droplets falling from massive stalactites and into shallow pools. On one side, you notice a large patch of soft earth formed into a mound. On the opposite side, mounds of foul-smelling excrement are piled with clumps of ore peeking out. Dozens of tunnel mouths branch off in different directions along the cavern walls. What would you all like to do? Ooh... Uh, I'm going to whisper to Sandy, I think we just found what made those tunnels. Yes. Is there any sign of it here? Go ahead and roll a perception check. You got I'll it. bet he's on that bound. I'll bet that's where it sleeps. That's a four. <laughs> four. Ooh. Yeah, you're not really able to to notice which, if any of these tunnels it might be on. Um you do see kind of uh, on, on like the far side of the cavern from whence you entered is uh, the uh, like the uh, like a like a patch of, of soft earth. Um, you can also see that in the area to like kind of to your right, there are uh, little mounds of excrement uh, with rubies and other gems and precious metals 
uh, kind of poking out of it. Uh, it does smell quite foul and is quite watery. There are large stalactites around the area here, or stalagmites, the ones that grow out of the ground, uh, that are kind of around here. Some as thick around as tree trunks, others small and thin like needles. Have any of them fallen recently from all of the shaking and stuff that's been happening? Mm, uh, or are they all still in place? Go ahead and roll a perception check. Perception. 11. 11. Yeah, you do see one large one that is very clearly uh, cracked and severed. Uh, it seems to have fallen from the cavern ceiling, which at its highest is like 15 feet, 50 feet tall. Um, okay. You also are, are able to kind of see quite easily in the dim light here, uh, thanks to the glaive, uh, the glaive light, it is catching on all of this ore and precious metals that are protruding from everywhere, uh, and, and the waters of the limestone cavern, and it is casting a nice reflection, which is bathing the whole cavern in dim light. Hmm. Yeah, it looks like whatever lives here has been knocking down some of the stalactites. Ah, uh, mm. I don't think we want to wake it up. No, it... It seems like it's quite large, then. Perhaps... I, I suppose we, we've got to find a way out from here. Should we just go to start checking tunnels and see which ones have, like, breeze blowing through that would indicate, mm-hmm. you know, surface? Yes, if we can hear any noises or vibrations perhaps coming. I think sort of instinctually, um, I don't know if this will reveal anything, uh, but Sandy would uh, cast Divine Sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and see if they're able to sense anything. Um, uh, you know the location of any celestial, fiend, or undead within 60 feet of you that is not behind total cover. You take a moment to center yourself, uh, relying on your teachings, and you do not notice any of these classes of creatures in this area around you. Well, that's good. <laughs> It's not undead. I can speak to that. <laughs> Great. Um, but that wasn't the impression that I was getting. But, you know, I just sometimes need to check on those things. Um, yeah, and let's go around and see if we can find any sort of sign of where this thing might have gone. Great. Uh, can both of y'all please roll a perception check? Can I argue uh, investigation for searching around and yeah. looking for markings? Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Ooh, I like that better. Go for it. <laughs> That's a 12. I got a 16 in investigation. 12 and a 16. Great. Uh, Sandy, you are kind of begin to wander around towards some of the tunnels that are carved uh, by the excrement pile to your right. Mm-hmm. Um, you Always do follow your nose. You're over, over there. You can see a lot of the glittering gems and ores in the excrement. But you think that a lot of these tunnels are uh, kind of... Are older. They seem drier. Mm. Um, the earth is more compacted and solid there. Uh, whereas Mick, your eyes have keyed into a very slight breeze that is coming in from a tunnel uh, to the the north here. Okay, I'll whisper to Sandy then and say, "Hi, Sandy. I think I've, I've got I got a hint of a breeze or a wind uh, just just on the north end of this cabin. Let's go check it out. But be quiet. Yeah. Yeah." Um, cool. And I will follow Mick. Um, so you mentioned, uh, that this, the droppings have like gemstones in them. Yeah. So this thing is, looks, seems to be eating stone. Is that something I could? Yeah. yeah absolutely. Or at least 
pooping it out. Like, whatever it eats, this is clearly the stuff that its body doesn't like or doesn't need, right? So these gemstones are like like corn, right? They're sticking yeah, out like corn yeah, yeah. in the poop. It's hard to digest <laughs> solid stone. Yeah. Um, oh. Cool, 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 cool. Um, excellent. Then I will, I will, uh, or maybe perhaps I'll lead the way and I'll, I'll head to the tunnel that uh, Mick pointed to uh, with my gleaming glaive and head down the tunnel. If we ever make it back here, we'll be rich. Yes. Maybe grab some and put it in your pocket. (laughs) All right. I'm actually tempted to do that, but I'm going to resist for now. As you all walk towards uh, the the tunnel with the uh, where the breeze was detected from, let me see here. What is y'all's passive perception? Fifteen. Uh, let me check. Passive perception is ten. Ooh, you both become keenly aware as you step nearer to the to the tunnel exit. Uh, that the earthbound has begun to churn once more. It seems to slither and writhe as erupting from this, from this, uh, from this earth mound, a huge monstrosity erupts out of the earth, its tail dripping with, uh, with a viscous liquid, uh, its, like, segmented body, like a giant worm, uh, and, and you can feel heat emanating from it. It goes and opens its mouth, shaking the limestone cavern, rattling the the earth here. Uh, both of you, please go ahead and roll for initiative. Yes, here, here we, we go. go. <laughs> it's gonna be a seven. I got a sixteen. All right. With that, we'll kick it off with Mick. Mick, you okay. hit the first move. Uh, I'm gonna look at Sandy and just like I'm assuming he's looking at me probably and we're just both shaking our heads like what did we get ourselves into um, this I am fired in a tower town but we can take it <laughs> uh, yeah I'm gonna cast mirror image on myself nice um, I'll read that at three illusory duplicates of yourself appear in your space sorry for giving you more work here Diego but hopefully you know whip some tokens up um <laughs> Until the spell ends, the duplicates move with you and mimic your actions, shifting positions so it's impossible to track which image is real. You can use your action to dismiss them, blah, blah, blah. Um, Each time a creature targets you with an attack during the spell's duration, roll a d20 to determine whether the attack instead targets one of your duplicates. So um, as you start attacking me, we'll roll and and we'll see what happens. Um, So yeah, all of a sudden, three more of me appear, and I'm sure Sandy's seen me do this before, so he is, he's probably not, like, that phased. Uh, I don't know if the worm can see me or not, but I'm gonna assume it, it, it will be at least somewhat fooled by this. Um, uh, this blue section over here, this is a pool, yeah? Yep, the blue sections are pools, and these green okay. sections are uh, stalagmites. Okay, uh, I am going to go run behind this one. Uh, and the the duplicates will kind of move with me. Beautiful. Okay. Sweet. Uh, so yeah, that's what I'll do. Uh, gear up and get ready for the next round. All right. Wonderful. With that, we go to the worm. Uh, the worm is going to uh, start just charging forward here uh, towards uh, what it has seen, uh, the movement 
tracks it uh, as it comes near here. It's going to try and get up close to you, Mick, and it's going to try and make an attack with its tail stinger. Okay. With a 28 to hit. Oh, um, yep. I, I can't do anything about that. <laughs> okay, right. I'm going to take it. Uh, oh, because it can't... Tar will it target one of your duplicates? Oh, uh, yes. Um, so, uh, each time a creature targets you in the attack, roll a d20, so we're going to do that. You must roll a six or higher to change the attack's target to a duplicate. So I rolled a 14. Great. Um, so we'll get rid of that one. And, and so he's tried to sting it, but it hasn't hit. Or it just like goes through and the, the illusion dissipates. Perfect. And that consumes uh, its, its attack. Yes. Right. Awesome. Uh, and then it is going to try one more attack on you with its bite. Uh, 22 to okay. hit. Uh, yep. We're going to roll again. And this time, I've got to roll above an 8, since I've got only 2 left. Okay, I rolled an 18. Nice. Shoot. Okay. Uh, hey. Yeah. Uh, it's coming in handy. He's turning through them pretty quickly. All right. And th that is it for the worm's action. Uh, as we go now to Sandy, Mick on deck. All right. Um, Sandy is... How tall is this worm? Could I jump on its back? <laughs> it's enormous. Yeah, okay. it's... Mechanically um, speaking, it is huge. Okay. Um, I didn't know if it was like, you know, if I could do a little hop step off this rock right here and get on its back somehow. Yeah, go ahead and oh, uh, roll yeah. grapple, contested strength. Oh, a grapple check? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I'll go for that. Uh, strength is going to be oh, only a nine. <laughs> no. okay, With a 22, it is able to throw me off. Throw you off. Okay. Well, never mind. Uh, did that take my action then? Yes. Oh, shoot. Yes. I think I'm going to, uh, seeing it fight my friend after being thrown uh, off this thing, uh, turn to it and sit. Uh, I'm going to bonus action compel duel. Nice. And say. Sweet. You're, you're fighting the wrong enemy. Yeah. Uh, it's a wisdom, uh, 15 wisdom saving throw. Rolled a four. Okay. So it is. Let me see the. Uh, for the duration, it has um, disadvantage on attack rolls against creatures other than you. Great. Um, you must make a wish. Each uh, time it attempts to move to a space that is more than 30 feet away from you, it must make a wisdom saving throw. Uh, and then if it succeeds on the saving throw, the spell doesn't restrict the target's movement. The spell ends if you attack any other creature. Uh, if you cast a spell that targets a hostile creature other than the target, or if a creature friendly to you damages the target or casts a harmful spell on it. Uh, right. Or if I end my turn more than 30 feet away. So, yes, that is what I'm doing. Great. Fight me. All right. Harmful Wonderful. spell. Does it say, like, it's got to be damage or just it, that it's targeting them? Just just so I know. Um, Compel duel. The spell ends if you attack any other creature. If you cast a spell that targets a hostile creature other than the target... If a creature friendly to you damages the target or casts a harmful spell on it, or if you end your turn more than 30 feet away from the target. So if harmful you do Harmful spell. Yeah. yeah. I'm that imagining if that, that's a spell that does spell. damage, like that does like yeah. physical damage to them. I don't know why they didn't just say that. Okay, cool. But honestly, you do whatever you need to do, okay? <laughs> I got some ideas. I got some okay, tricks up cool, cool. All right. We're back at the top with Mick. Okay. Um... Mick, seeing his friend um, 
help him out like this is going to run over here behind him. Um, and I'm going to cast Enlarge Reduce on Sandy, and I'm going to win. Nice! Yes. So you are now a large creature. Uh, you have advantage on strength checks and strength saving throws. Okay, and cool. you get an extra D4 of damage to all your weapons. Nice. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll point my wand and be like, all right, Sandy, give it another go. And, uh, <laughs> and you're going to, like, you know, Mario up when you, when you <laughs> eat the mushroom. Yes. Yeah. Now you are now about half the size of this, uh, of this giant fireworm. There we Heck go. Yeah. All right. All right. It is now the fireworm's turn. Uh, it is going to turn towards uh, you now and... Hit me. Hit me. <laughs> I want you to do it. It opens its mouth, uh, and you see uh, a big tunnel of flame erupting in a cone. Uh, it is not going to be enough to touch you, Mick. You are just barely out of the range of this uh, fire breath as it erupts okay, in a 30-foot cone that is 15 feet wide at the end. Uh, please make a dexterity saving throw, Sandy. Three. Oh. <laughs> Take 28 points of fire damage. Ooh, okay. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. It's halved, right, since you're... So you're uh... Your uh, brass, so that's nice. Yeah, uh, what's your resistance? Is it to fire or acid? I think it's to lightning. Lightning. So oh, unfortunately, it is not. Yes, resistant to fire. The fireworm oh, is then going to use its movement to uh, tunnel under the earth, disappearing from sight, leaving behind a five-foot tunnel in its wake. Uh, it has left your melee range now, Sandy. I will uh, take a attack of opportunity against right. it. Go ahead and roll to hit. Uh, that is going to be a 21 to hit. 21 hits. Uh, I'm going to do uh, 14 points of slashing damage. Boom. And can and I, add a d4 to that. Uh, so 15 points of slashing damage. Can I do... No, because it counts as a bonus action. Never mind. I was going to ask if I could divine smite. Not on this turn, no. I believe oh, it's a bonus yeah. action. Yeah. Too bad. Okay. Okay, that's 14 points of slashing. All right, great. Uh, as uh, leaving in its wake a five-foot tunnel, very reminiscent of the tunnel you have walked all through already, uh, we turn now you to Sandy. Question, is it trying to move more than 30 feet away from me? Because if so, I need it to make a wisdom saving throw. Ooh. Ooh, I like that. Good one. Uh, it will, uh, yeah, it is. So that's going to make a whiz save. <laughs> Uh, 13. That fails. Nice. Um, so, uh, for the duration, it has a disadvantage on attack rolls against creatures other than you. It must make a wisdom saving throw each time it attempts to move to a space that is more than 30 feet away from you. Um, so, I don't know. It doesn't say what happens on a failure? Yeah. So I guess, I guess it, just it just can't? Can't move more than 30 feet? But I don't know what that means. Is like it can move up to thirty feet. Okay, it does. It does. So you can feel that uh, within the constraints of your magic, you feel that this creature hasn't moved more than thirty feet from you. Okay. Uh, it is still underground in a tunnel. Okay. I might stand there. I'm gonna say I said come and fight me. I'm gonna cast elemental weapon on my glaive. Nice. Um. So my glaive is now going to, uh, like a. Layer of ice covers the blade of my nice. glaive as I'm going to uh, give it a bonus of. Uh, it's going to be cold damage. Great. Plus one to attack rolls and deal an extra 1d4 damage of the chosen damage type. So now I have a bonus of 2d4 every time I attack. Beautiful. Oh, that's so cool. Um, cool. And then uh, I think I'm going to stay there. 
uh, and hope this thing comes back to fight me. All right. With that, then, we'll go ahead and pass turn now to Mick. Ooh. Um, I'm going to look at Sandy and say, Sandy, I, I know, you, I know you, you, you burned some of your magic on that compelled duel thing, but do you want me to try to try to damage it, or do you want me to stand by and help out? Um, if you you can damage it if you'd like. I, can you damage it under the ground? Well, if we can see down its hole, maybe I can get something. All right, go for it. Uh, I'm gonna run up to the to the hole that it dug down. Yeah, and uh, and just see if I can see the tail end of it or anything. Are you in the hole? Uh, I'm looking down the hole. Looking down to the hole, you can't. It goes down like about ten feet, and then maybe uh, like juts to the left uh, for the rest. So you, uh, you can't see past that curvature. Okay, so I moved about twenty feet. Uh, I'm just gonna jump down then. Yeah, you Why jump not? down into the hole and coiled at I the end of the this move. tunnel. You see uh, the fireworm kind of slinking there in its uh, in its tunnel. You have clear okay. line of sight to it. Uh, right. What's the worst that could happen? Uh, I'm gonna cast lightning bolt. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to upcast it to 5th level, too, because why not? Yes. Um, so the, the worm has to make a dex saving throw. 16 right. DC. It rolled a 9. Nice. Okay, so I'm upcasting it um, to 5th level. That'll be 10 D6. Uh, so that's 26 uh, lightning damage. Solid hit. Nice. And then... Uh, I'm going to probably realize what I have done and like start trying to scrabble back up the side <laughs> again. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. It's down here. I'm going <laughs> to yell that up to Sandy so he knows. All right. Uh, the okay. fireworm is going to try. Uh, you, know, you, you see it open its mouth once more, and you notice the little, little fumes in its mouth catch as it, has, it holds a ball of fire in its mouth anew. Uh, it is going to move towards you and unleash another fire breath attack in your direction here. Uh, please make a dexterity saving throw, Mick. Oof. Okay, I'm going to use another luck point here. All right. Here we go. I got. I rolled a six, so that's an eight. But I'm going to try it again. <laughs> okay. <you got laughs> <10. laughs> a little bit better. You take 27 points of fighter damage. Yep, there it is. You'd see the the worm is going to continue in its tunnel. It's going to kind of just launch itself into the wall to the left of it and continue to move another 30 feet. Okay, it's tunneling again. Yeah, it's still like on the same plane as you. Underground's tough. Flying, like, flying you can do, I don't know, it it just makes more sense. But yeah, underground is always like a weird thing to visualize. It's it's very much like that four D four dimensional movement there. Yep. All right. Okay. We, we pass turn now to Sandy. All right. Sandy is going to jump into the hole, and uh, you are squeezing at this point. Okay. So that means that your attacks have disadvantage. You also have um, advantage mm-hmm. on attacks against you. I mean, if the toll was only like five feet around, would you have jumped in if you're huge? You know. I like, guess I don't know oh. if I could do that. How far underground is this thing? It is 10 feet under the ground. So it's pretty far underground. Well, I think what I am going to do is I'm going to use an action to lay on hands mm. myself. Um, 
for 30 points of healing. Right. Because I am probably not a bad idea. A little rough. You could just go try stab through the floor with your with your glaive and see if you can get it. I don't know. Yeah. Because <laughs> what you're you're large now. You could say it would be like the three quarters cover at disadvantage since you also can't see. So it would get a plus five to its armor class. Yeah, I try to do that. I try to do that. Just, just, uh, just. Yeah, I can see like and... the slight roll of the dirt where yeah. it's going, and I'm gonna try to just stab down. And All hit right. it with my. Um... Go ahead and roll to hit. You have to meet or beat a 19. Okay. I end at disadvantage too, since you can't see it. 16. Oh. Good try. Good try. All right. You stab uh, the earth to no avail. Okay. Great. We go ahead and pass turn to Mick, who is in the tunnel. Having little regard for my own personal well-being at this point, I'm gonna run down the tunnel um, and and look around the corner and see if I can see it. You do. You have clear line of sight to it. Okay. It's 30 feet from you. I'm gonna try this and see if this will make it easier to like for Sandy to see it up on the surface. I'm gonna cast a spell called Pulse Wave, again from Wild Mount. Uh, you create intense pressure, unleash it in a 30 foot cone and decide whether the pressure pulls or pushes creatures and objects. So I'm gonna push. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the worm's gotta make a con save, 16 con save. It rolled an 18. Dang, okay. So it's gonna take uh, 66 halved and it's not gonna get pushed. But I'm hoping that if I agitate it a little bit more, it might be obvious uh, to Sandy what's going on up above. So yeah, yeah. let's roll that 66. Uh, oh, what? Wow, oh, no. That's the worst. And would it take half of that? Yeah, seven points of damage. So it's just oh, like yeah. a little, like, like I, like I, like, push it a little bit. Yeah, half of those <laughs> were ones, and most of them were three and below. Brutal. Jeez. That is terrible. That's that's terrible. Okay, uh, that's that is what it is. You know, um, that's what I get for casting a three-level spell, I guess. Uh, okay, um, imagining that I have angered it, I'm gonna move back to the to the, this section of the <laughs> hole just so that at least I'll have like some cover if it's gonna try to turn around in the hole it's in. Uh, yeah, that's what I got. Amazing. Yeah. We go it's now terrible. to the worm. Uh, reeling from the damage, it is going to tunnel straight upwards, coming into uh, into Sandy's melee range here. I'll take that opportunity attack. Go for it. Yes, Polar Master. 25 to hit. Hits. Uh, that is going to be 10 slashing. It is now... It's actually 26 to hit. 10 slashing. It's now magical, so I'm going to do an extra... 2d4. Uh, one is cold damage, and one is my bonus for being a large creature. Oh, I didn't make my con save on that to hold concentration of a large reduce. Okay. Oh, yeah. We'll let this resolve, but then we'll uh, uh, see whether or not that constitution stay- stays. So that's a total of 14. Uh, 14 damage against this thing. Solid hit. Great. Uh, the fireworm is going to continue with its turn now. It is uh, on the surface now. It is going to try for a bite attack on you. Or actually, no, sorry. A sting with its tail stinger with a nat 20. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Sandy, you might be toast. No, this you is going to hurt. This is going to hurt. <laughs> Please uh, take 17 uh, points of critical damage. So of piercing damage. So you double that? No, no, no. That 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 it is. That is it doubled. Oh. 
Cool, cool, cool. That's helpful. Yeah. Uh, okay. But please make a constitution saving throw. I would love to. It's going to be a 14. Oh. 14. You meet it and you beat it. Ooh. As you only take four points of poison damage. Okay, cool. It is now going to, with its second attack, come at you with a bite, 23 to hit. That is going to hit. Take 20 points of piercing damage. Okay. Can you make a dexterity saving throw, please? That is going to be a a one. (laughs) An unnatural one. Mick, you hear the... As the worm just latches its uh, mouth around your shoulders. Oh, no. uh, and, And just, like flips you up and it just like like muscles you down into its throat no. you have been swallowed Ooh, by the fireworm you are currently blinded and restrained okay okay cool 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 uh, as we pass turn now to Sandy you are now within the worm <laughs> okay um, I uh, no one can hear this but myself mumble under my breath I think to myself you know, two of us have a breath weapon, and a bit of lightning starts to crackle in my throat, and I'm gonna vomit lightning down this yeah. fireworm's throat. Um, <laughs> so that is a dex save of 13. Since I am in this creature, would you maybe give that creature disadvantage on this Absolutely. dex saving? Absolutely, I will throw? definitely give disadvantage on that dex save. <laughs> yes, it rolled a nine. A uh, nine fails. Uh, so that's going to be 3d6 lightning damage. That's 11 lightning damage erupting into the throat of this worm. The worm, like, lights up from inside. Uh, worm make to be on, uh, above ground. They would be able to see your, like, kind of a faint outline of you within a the silhouette. gut of the worm. <laughs> nice. I want y'all to be thinking, like, uh, like that final fight in uh, Men in Black when that's Tommy Lee exactly. Jones is inside the cockroach. Uh, exactly. Great. Anything else with your turn, Sandy? I think Any that bonus actions is going to do it. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. With that, we'll go ahead and pass turn back to the top with Mick. Uh, so I did make the con save. I got a, a an 18, which is more than double of 27. Perfect. So we're good there. I'm going to yell in anguish seeing my friend get swallowed by this thing. I'm sure it's a terrible sight because <laughs> he's like extra big. And then this thing like, you know, Python style unhinges its jaws and like swallows him. I'm sure uh, I'm a little traumatized. Um, I'm gonna cast Gesh. I've never used the spell before, but I'm really excited. Nice. Um, So the worm has to make a wisdom save, otherwise, it is charmed by me, and I get to give it a command. And if it tries to resist, then it'll take 5d10 psychic damage. All right. Um, so I'll wisdom. let you decide if it's going to try to do that or not. But yeah, um, 14 on the wisdom. DC wisdom. Oh, yes. great. You rolled a 14. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like, cr- you know, scrambling up the side again, and I'm going to point my wand at it as I'm like, like barely breaching the surface uh, and, and cast this spell. And as I see it, like, kind of, I don't know, it probably it's it, it changes a little bit. Like, it's it's not fighting so hard to, to keep... Uh, Sandy Swallow. <laughs> I'm going to command it. You spit him out. <laughs> uh, he will definitely try to resist. I have tried to get a chew toy out of a dog's mouth and know how hard it is for animals to <laughs> okay. relinquish okay, that five, which they have eaten. 5d10 psychic damage. Here we go. May this be higher than my last roll. Okay. 
Uh, 22 psychic damage for the worm. Nice. You see blood pouring out of uh, like what you can imagine are the nostrils of the uh, of the of the worm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Does it have Does it uh, have to comply with that command still? Um, it says while the creature is charmed by you, it takes 5d10 psychic damage each time it acts in a manner directly counter to your instructions, but no more than once each day. So it didn't listen. It took the damage. It, that is, that's all it, it is. Right. Okay. So and then um, it, it it would spit him out, right? Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Awesome. You see, uh, in a pile of goo and viscera, half digested gemstones and muddy, like slurry, uh, Sandy is spat back out. You are prone here, Sandy. Okay, that was not my best day. That's oh gross. That's so gross. That's so gross. I don't. I like being dusty, not wet. <laughs> this is my worst nightmare. Um, great. Anything else with your turn, Mick? Um, no, that's all I got. All right, the fireworm is going to go above ground and try to uh, come straight at you with a yeah. stinger attack. Nat 20! Okay. Oh. Uh, I'm going to roll a d20 here. Okay. <laughs> this I'm going to roll a d20 for my mirror image here, and I'm praying that, that I make it. Um, so with one duplicate left, I've got to roll above an 11 for it to attack my dupe instead of me. Okay. Here we go. Oh, okay, 14. Okay. Oh, man. You see the worm just like impales one of your illusory uh, duplicates uh, and it vanishes away. Um, I am going to channel divinity Okay. as a reaction Okay. Uh, and use rebuke the violent. You can use your channel divinity to rebuke those who use violence. Immediately after an attacker within 30 feet of you deals damage with an attack against a creature other than you, you can use your reaction to force the attacker to make a wisdom saving throw. On a failed save, the attacker takes radiant damage equal to the damage it just dealt. All right. So it's going to roll that nat 20 on itself. Okay. On a successful save, it takes half as much damage. Uh, that is going to be a DC 15, I believe. It rolled an 8 on its whiz save. Woo! It'll be taking 14 points of damage on itself, plus the poison damage it would have dealt, which would also be critical. An extra 21 points of damage that will be. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, this creature just took, what, 35 points of damage that it inflicted on itself. I reach out. Not my friend! And, and uh, radiant energy crackles from my fingers and then radiates uh, into this worm. Wonderful. We pass turn to you, Sandy. Mick, you're on deck. Um, okay. Sandy is going to uh, charge this worm, and we are going to do all my attacks. Uh, so that is going to be a 25 to hit on the first. Hits. A 15 to hit on the second. Hits. And for my little bonus bump, it's going to be a 22 to hit. 22 hits. So um, now, can I... I can only cast a spell once, so I can only do Divine Smite once, right? Well, it's not casting a spell; it's expending a spell slot. But I, I don't remember the rule. I think you could do it, it on. It might still be once. When you hit a creature with a melee weapon attack, you can expend one spell slot to deal a radiant damage to the target. In addition to the weapon's damage, the extra damage is two d eight for. First yeah, level. you would need to it, uh, for each attack. You would expend an additional spell slot. So as long as yeah, you're, yeah, but you can do it. Yeah. Yeah, you can. You could divine mm -hmm. smite all three of these. You would. It would just cost three spell slots. I do have three second level spell slots. 
You know what? Now's the time. I'm going to do it. I, I hit it three saving. times. I'm going to divine smite it three times. Uh, all at second level. So let me roll, you know, let's go big or go home. First, I'm going to roll straight damage. Straight damage. Great. So uh, that's 14 plus 12. Great. Plus 6. That brings it up to what? 32? Uh, yeah. Yep. 32 uh, plus I need to roll 2d4s for both of those glaive attacks. So that's going to be 44. 4s is going to be another nine. So that's 34 brings us to 40, uh, 43. Great. And now, because I did them all at second level, I'm going to roll 9d8 for my radiant damage. All right. Give me 9d8, baby. All right. Another 38 points of damage. <laughs> you don't mess with my friend. Sandy of the Sanji Desert, how do you fell this fireworm? I think, uh, I think I just find like a, a, a crease between the rolls of its worm-like form, and I, it's, it, I assume my glaive grew when I grew. Yeah. So the blade now is long enough to actually take up the width of this worm, and I split the worm in half. Yeah. The worm splits in twain, uh, both sides of its form, falling on either side of Mick. Uh, it's the damage, like burning away at the edges of it. Crackling. Uh, the fireworm is dead. You guys are now out of combat. Uh, and the tunnel to the surface lays before you unimpeded. Oh, I'm going to like fall down. Well, I guess I was already on my knees. I'm going to like, like just be sitting there like panting and look up and be like, you know, Sandy, I know you like trying to be peaceful and all that. But when you get, when you put your mind to it, the nine hills hath no fury. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the desert can be a, a pretty dangerous place, so it's good to be able to do a lot of damage. I'm going to have to say a lot of prayers for that one. That is, I'm going to have to really repent. Um, but we made it, and hopefully the village will not be eaten by this fireworm again. Yeah, who, who knew? Like We, we thought we'd found the, the, source of the source of the fire right at the beginning, but I mean, clearly there was more at work here, so I'm glad we, we kept digging. I think that was only going to put a band-aid on it. This was really the the e- evil at work. Well, I guess it's time to go sort through those jewels and stuff then, see how much we can carry to the surface. How um how do we get out of here? And Sandy looks up at this giant cavern with many, many different weaving trails that go off in the distance. Hmm. This might be tricky. We we might be down here a while. I think I've got an idea though. All right. right. I'll follow your lead. And as you set about uh, filling your pockets with what you can from the uh, excrement-coated gems, uh, you begin to take uh, uh, the first tentative steps into the tunnel that Mick uh, identified as potentially having a source of fresh air. And as you will continue to go and try to parse through this network of tunnels, you do lay assured in the knowledge that, at least for now, the fire season in the smoldering hills has come to an end. And that is where we'll end our adventure for today. Great, so that was the actual play portion of our lab. We have felled fireworms, uh, 
bested whack-a-moles and uh, done our best against the smokestack magmans. Uh, so just to start off and kind of get a recap here, what was a moment that struck you from this adventure? What was something that uh, is still lingering with you uh, after the dust has settled? Uh, I will say I've never done that amount of damage in a single turn, and it was pretty epic. I felt really awesome being able to put all that into one yeah. turn. So that was cool. I liked that. Yeah, paladins are uh, they're a hell of a drug, to, to yeah. put it lightly. Like Once you start playing one, you're like, wow, I can do all of the things that I want to do. Um, they're pretty fun. Yeah, I, they, I do like them. They stack insanely high. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really enjoyed uh, running this this worm since it had the uh, the tunneler feat uh, uh, tunneler trait, uh, getting to kind of think of a, a creature that is y- trying to use the terrain to its advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to like kind of play it honestly while still like you know not having it just burrow to the center of the earth and run away, right? Um, and I <laughs> yeah. think it it felt good. Like it felt like there were moments where you really had to. Think about like what your tactics were going to be um, as well as moments where you really could kind of force the worm's hand or, you know, appendages <laughs> from there. So that, yeah, I, I'm still thinking about that. I think that's something I'm, re- I'm really excited to see in other monsters, too, is like how does uh, something that is like for like a, a, a boulet or bullet. I don't know how you pronounce it officially, but uh, that's another like you know, digging creature. I'm, I'm excited to kind of take what I've learned from here and apply it to another monster down the line. Yeah. I, I call them bulets. So that's what I'm going to say, but those are yeah. super fun. Um, cause they, they like are basically land sharks. They can like jump out and attack and then jump back down. Um, I did a fun encounter with my party where they were on a prairie and there were some like rocky outcroppings they could get up on where, nice. where, you know, they would kind of be safe from it, but, but they were like jumping out and, and trying to like attack them. And then going and burrowing back down again. Those are super cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I I was curious, uh, Derek, because you homebrewed this monster for us. How did this monster come up? And, um, you know, using it in other campaigns, like what made you come up with this monster? Yeah. The fireworm was Derek's. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, fireworm was mine. Um, it was from a, a Kickstarter I just completed uh, last month, uh, December. So my buddy and I, we decided we wanted to try to start start writing some content for games and, and see how we did. So we wrote uh, a game called Two Hot One Shot. It's a one shot for 5e. Um, and it comes with basic rules that combine uh, hot ones with D&D. So oh, to, cool. to kind of like give you the, the elevator pitch, uh, basically, you you get 10 food items, whether they be wings or whatever else, you get yourself some sauces that get hotter and hotter. And then you play the game and it's kind of like, it adds a mechanic where you eat wings when certain situations <laughs> arise. Um, so uh, I, I, yeah, we had like kind of three different sections of the adventure and the fireworm is in the second section, uh, just light spoilers. It's in this fire giant's garden Ooh. and you've got to try to like sneak in and, and steal some stuff and the fireworm attacks you while you're trying to steal stuff. So um, yeah, that, that's from uh, from one of my Kickstarters, but it was super fun to make. And uh, I think you ran it really well, Diego. Uh, that's That's the kind of stuff I would try to do with it too. Thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I, I really liked uh, looking at what it had um, and and kind of devising its strategy around that. Um, I, I loved I loved that fact that it has like that fire breath. I think that's a very satisfying feature. Totally makes sense for this long worm guy to have uh, to have this flamethrower uh, breath. 
Um, what, what, when you were like designing it, was there any like big design philosophy that you were like ascribed to, or did you just know I, this is a fire giant garden. I know that much. I need to figure out something that happens here. What was kind of the yeah, process? Yeah, we, we'd thought of the, the settings first and then it was kind of like, all right, what's going to be in this garden that's threatening? Um, the, the, there's a giant flower that's in this pit within the garden and that's mm-hmm. where the fireworm lives. Like it, it kind of like stays around the roots of this flower and you're trying to break in to steal some stuff from the flower itself. So uh, when they get down in there, they're trying to like get to the flower center. That's when the worm appears because it feels like the trembling of the footsteps and begins attacking them. And so there's like all of these tangled vines and stuff and there's the slope down in. It's kind of like keeping everybody down in, in the center that makes it uh, a really interesting and fun fight to run. Um, but yeah, it was uh, setting first. And then I was like, what would be really cool? I thought about Tremors. I thought about Dune. You know, those are kind of the, the inspirations yeah. I found um, and then combined them and mashed them up into something crazy. Yeah. And, and just as a quick rundown for, for the folks at home, I'm just going to give a quick uh, rapid fire of uh, kind of what the fireworm is be- uh, made out of. It's a huge monstrosity. Armor class of 14, 172 hit points Oof. with a 50-foot speed and a 30-foot burrow speed. Um, it's got its multi-attack with its bite and tail stinger, which was very fun, and its fire breath, which is on a recharge 5 and 6. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this was very, very fun. I also loved that it had blind sight and tremor sense. Uh, mm-hmm. My kind of idea when I was like setting it up in this cavern was you, there's the, that mound of churned earth where it was sleeping underneath. And if you came within 60 feet of it, it would know because of its tremor sense and that's what would wake it up. I then yep. had the, the fireworm roll a uh, stealth check to see if it could like tunnel around without y'all noticing. But y'all's passive perception was good enough to beat that. So I, I was trying to see if I could set up that surprise round uh, for the fireworm. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot just like in the stat block itself. There's a lot of really uh, cool stuff, a lot of cool ways to kind of incorporate this uh, into the fireworm. So yeah, yeah. I loved its uh, ability to swallow as well. That was yes. a fun moment. <laughs> I've always wanted a swallowable player. I'm glad it paid off in this one. It was a lot, a lot of fun. I also like that being swallowed, it does blind and restrain you, but it, that doesn't keep you from attacking. You can still do damage inside of the worm, which I think was, is a very important feature because you don't want to take a player completely out of the encounter. So I think that's very, very well designed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it too. Uh, Mick has actually been swallowed by a kraken before, so uh, it's a it's a common <laughs> common experience in his in his it's life. A bit of a flashback. Yeah, yeah. he's Before on I'm the other that. side of the throat now. He's like, oh, I know what that's like. That's rough. Oh, um, that's funny. Yeah. Let's go ahead and pivot so, over and talk. A, oh, sorry, Derek. Did you have? Something? I was just gonna say, yeah. So, so uh, which delight was uh, was whose uh, in this in this? Uh, I want to know, Michael. Which one did you um, cook up for for your first homebrew monster? Yes, I came up with a swarm of whack a moles. Um, I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, I, I gave them a higher AC for being tiny little creatures, and I just see them like sort of popping in and out of the earth because uh, I gave them both a movement and burrow speed of thirty feet. They're little fast little things. So yeah, just kind of like. Uh, the sharks that you were talking about, this is sort of like that, but piranhas. Um, and mm-hmm. I used, I started with a swarm of rats actually as the base stats and then just came up with some other stuff that I thought made a lot of sense. Uh, and uh, I did use a little AI art machine to create the creepy little blood eyed bird mole creatures, which is fun, but it was yeah. very creepy. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it was fun when, like, in, like, running it, it, I was trying to think of, like, why would these creatures be attacking, right? You know, I had to kind of come up with a reason. Um, the easiest one that I thought of was, like, you know, you're just invading their home. Like, they're just trying to get through their tunnels, trying to get home, and suddenly, you know, they're in the middle of this brightly lit room. Um, I like the idea that they don't like the light, and maybe if the glaive had been uh, extinguished, that they would just be like, okay, everything's fine, and just go back to like burrowing <laughs> and tunneling. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I would, I would love if there was like a, um, if there was one thing I could add to this this stat block, it'd be something where they like trip you and like you, then you fall prone, and then they get like advantage on their attacks. Ooh. It kind of reminds me of like the the like scarabs swarm, yeah. in the mummy, like when they Ooh. go up on a dude and like knock him over, and then they're all like kind of jumping on oh. top of him. That would and then be good. Just I kept after. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, just. <laughs> that that's a really good additional mechanic. I really focused on more of their abilities. Yeah, so they had keen smell uh, and blind sight, I believe, um, and uh, then all of the swarm stuff. So they had a lot of resistances and things like that. Uh, but definitely actions. I could have added more to the action section to make it a little more flavorful. Uh, but this was a lot of fun. I I do I I love the art that you got for it too. It's very very cool looking things. Uh, and now whack-a-moles are canon in yes. in my in this homebrew uh, campaign setting here. Uh, cool. Yeah. What what was your experience like fighting them? How did it feel like being up against the swarm? I, I don't think I was like terrified, but swarms are, can be deadly, right? And I wondered mm-hmm. if like the two groups had swarmed up against us if they would have some sort of advantage because mm. they were flanking us or like because there was someone within five feet kind of like pack tactic yeah pack tactics like wolves or kobolds or whatever um so uh, you you always got to be wary of stuff like this right like sometimes it's the small things that that you know are the ones that are gonna <laughs> bring you down yeah. yeah so it was definitely like um still a fun encounter even though I wasn't super worried. Like I, I figured there'd be something crazy that would happen. So yeah. 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 I pictured him more as like almost like a trap or more of just kind of like a, a frustrating yeah. monster to fight mm-hmm. with like the high AC of like, I just can't hit these things and they have resistances. So I definitely felt like that coming yeah. through too. Cause y'all like missed a lot on, on attacking them. So th- this definitely feels like, Oh my God, I can't get them. I can't, I can't yeah. get a, can't get a uh, blade in edgewise. Uh, but a quick rundown of the Swarm of Whack-A-Moles by Michael. It is an armor class of 16, uh, 42 hit points, 30-foot speed, 30-foot burrow speed. Got resistances to bludgeoning, piercing, slashing, uh, as well as condition immunities to being charmed, frightened, grappled, paralyzed, petrified, prone, restrained, and stunned. Uh, they got that 30-foot blind sight, 30-foot dark vision, and they are a CR2 monster. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. And we'll also have all uh, the stat blocks. Uh, if we're If we're able to put your stat block up, uh, for the listeners, totally. Derek, we'd be more than happy to. But yeah, we'll have all these stat blocks uh, down there in the show notes. So make sure to check that out and add these to your game. Um, and then we have my monster. Uh, my guy was the Smokestack Magman. Yeah, that was really fun to fight. What? 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 How do y'all feel about it? Uh, I, I was just gonna say I loved the the use of tactics where you had the cloud of smoke, mm-hmm. um, and they were like moving in and out, uh, and the damage that happens when you kill the smaller ones the kind of the the smaller ones around and also like the different things that it could do like uh the belching um i don't remember what you called it but the the belch thing and then the um the gas that it would um 
give out. Like I could see how it would stack where it lets out that gas. You kill one of the little guys and then, you know, chain reaction explosion, Mm -hmm. whether you like it or not, even though I kind of just did it myself. Um, That's a fun that's a fun uh, mechanic to use um, that kind of like daisy chains with each other and uh, stacks um, and challenges your players. It's fun dealing with things, you know, popping off around you as you take them down. And I also feel like it would be fun to put this creature in like a steampunk industrialized setting. Like it's come alive in like the furnaces of some uh, industry smelting factory. Yeah, exactly. Um, But it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. In, in, in terms of its uh, actions, it had that pyroclastic belch, which uh, Mm, blinded you if it hits you as well as like dealing a little bit of damage. Uh, It had its volcanic belch, but you could uh, choose either doing the smoke cloud or the sulfur cloud. Um, And as a bonus action, it could do inflamed eyes. So it can choose, other ma- uh, like fire elemental creatures around it and give them uh, a trait that I invented for this creature called Smoke Stalker, which allows the creature to see up to 30 feet in areas that are heavily obscured by smoke. So that way, ah. after it sets up its smoke cloud, um, all of its allies that it picks can don't have disadvantage mm. in the smoke cloud and they can see clearly enough. Um, That's why their eyes were glowing. I wondered if it was going to be something like um, Knowles where... There's there's some gnolls um, that can like command other gnolls to go make an attack as as yeah. like a bonus action or something like that. I wonder if it was going to be him commanding them to like just run in and and blow themselves up right next to us or something like that. But that's that's cool too. That that like you said that stacks with the the smoke cloud. Yeah, I also wanted to like the the, the kind of design philosophy behind this one. I I looked into uh, Matt Colville's. Uh, action-oriented monsters. So I was really trying to think of, like, if each attack is trying to do something, I really wanted this creature to be, like, a battlefield control type of guy, right? I, he, he sets mm-hmm. up the field so that his allies can go and, and wreak havoc. Um, I also really enjoyed it, uh, that reaction where the corrosive gas pocket gets erupted. I think that's a little fun. I really wanted to draw inspiration from this, like, volcanic energy uh, that came from it. But one thing that I found in like building this was that I did too much initially. I had like another thing where it could like revive a fallen magman. I had another thing where it could make the area around a magman that exploded become like, you know, the ground is lava type of thing, difficult mm. terrain. And if you start your turn there, you take fire damage. Um, but once I like printed, like, like exported the stat block out, um, I was like, this is too much. There's a lot going on here. And it's only, you know, three to four rounds of combat. I'm not trying to to make this, what I'm hoping is like balances out to be a CR2 creature yeah. to be uh, more than that. That's one thing that I'm curious about. Did y'all start with what you wanted the CR to be? Or was there another like point, uh, like starting point where you're like, okay, I wanted to do this. And then you figured out the CR the challenge rating afterwards or how did that come into play with when y'all were designing your monsters? Yeah. Uh, when we were putting the Kickstarter together, uh, we kind of referenced a few other monsters that were a similar power level that we were looking for. And then kind of like looked at their stats and, and look and, and try to kind of set it up similar to that. Um, not necessarily a, a total reskin, but like, you know, looking, looking for monsters that are close and then um, making it our own. Uh, so yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah, I started with the CR level as mm-hmm. I was creating it, but I, I was sort of looking at other swarms that are there. I kind of took uh, from uh, the swarm of snakes to kind of figure out 
uh, damage, like how much mm. damage it should output, but then use some of the swarm of rat like abilities to flesh out what these whack-a-moles could do. Nice. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, I started with CR, but then kind of just made sure I was staying at that difficulty level. As you were building these, were there any like tools that you found helpful, like online uh, tools that helped you out? I know for me, I used Ph- Philandrith's Monster Maker. Uh, and that is a very just handy tool where you can like input all of the like numbers and like the actions and whatnot. And then it uh, helps uh, kind of guesstimate what like the CR is going to be or like all like a lot of the meta number knowledge that's in there. It really helps synthesize it. Um, so that's that's one tool that I use. Is there anything that y'all use that helped you put your monster together or like get a get a feel for it? I used a site called Tetra Cube. That's uh, tetra-cube.com. And I'll send you the link so you can put it in the show notes too. Um, it's nice because it looks like a 5e stat block um, and it generates an image for you. So you could like make a bunch of homebrew stuff and put it in something that you're going to publish or distribute. And it looks nice. You know, it looks kind of official. Yeah. Um, and it's got a bunch of drop down menus for all of the different things that your monster could do or like all of the stats and stuff. So it's easy to just fill it out that way and not forget about stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where uh, I went um, to, to kind of put it together and, and look at, at uh, other stat blocks for um, inspiration. They've got a bunch of presets for now um, based on OGL and SRD stuff um, that you can go look at and you can uh adjust so a great way to reskin stuff is is pick one that you like and then go uh, make adjustments to it or you can just look at them and then you know build your own from scratch so yeah it's pretty cool when you're creating homebrew monsters like what is something that you like what is sort of your rule of thumb for like why create homebrew versus just like using a monster out of the monster manual yeah so what would you loot or what would you boot from the homebrew monster creation process well uh first of all homebrewing is super fun and if you're a dm out there and you haven't tried it yet you should try it in your next session like look at at something that's already there and just add your own flavor to it um but yeah for me um i like what you did diego and like like looking at some other resources to think about how the actions would affect things around it i try to always make sure that if i'm going to homebrew something it's not just uh um you know, like a bite claw claw or like, you know, really boring, nothing extra that it, it, it can do or, or nothing, you know, no effects. Um, Cause those combats are the most boring combat to me where everyone jumps in and then the enemies they're fighting, like, you know, swing their sword and that's it. Like those are the, mm-hmm. the most boring ones to me. So I always try to add a bunch of extra stuff they can do to challenge the party, to make them use resources, to make them get creative with how they're going to solve this problem. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I like to focus on. One thing I would I would recommend uh, as you're looting like all this inspiration too is like you got to boot some stuff. Like it's okay to like look at the stat block and be like, okay, I like uh, was Coco Chanel used to say, take off the last <laughs> accessory that you put on. Uh, so it is okay to like after you look at the stat block if it's too long or if it's too big, like. It's too bougie. It, it, yeah, too bougie. <laughs> it's okay to get rid of a trait. It's a re- okay to get rid of an attack. Uh, and, you know, the the monster design doesn't end when the dice start rolling, right? You can adjust things in the moment uh, as you're learning. Oh, wow, this is really overpowered. Or, oh, wow, this is an, isn't kicking as hard as I wanted it to. So make sure you loot all your inspo, but feel free to boot things from your final design. Uh, I think it's Sly Flourish who talks about the dials in combat and, and being yes. able to adjust the dials as you're going to make things more fun. 
Um, especially uh, to your previous point, Diego, especially since combat tends to last like maybe three to four rounds in 5e. If mm-hmm. you have too many things to do, then you're not going to get to all of them and you're yes. going to feel sad that you didn't even get to use them. So yeah, simplify a little bit. 100%. 100%. Well, Derek, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, right before you leave, I would like to kind of flip the script on you oh. and ask you uh just like general advice if you could like narrow it down for dms or players well really for dms how not to dm what is your do you have any stories for us or any ideas that you would say like hey really watch out for this if whether it's tied to homebrewing your own monsters or not just general advice we'd love to uh yeah flip the script on you and hear what you have to say yeah uh okay um so the reason I have the show is because I'm not a good DM and I needed to learn from other people. So uh, let, let that be clear from the get-go. I'm not saying that I am smarter or know more than everybody else. Like, that's why I started the show. I was like, I need to ask my favorite DMs <laughs> how to make myself better. So um, with that caveat, uh, I a couple of things that I have done that, that I definitely regret. Number one, um, especially earlier on, it was easy to fall into the me versus the players mentality Mm. where you're like, ah, I need to beat them or I need to prove that I'm smarter or more powerful or whatever, which is stupid because I could at any moment cast Meteor Swarm and summon the Tarask and Tiamat and, you know, Asmodeus and and whatever, like all (laughs) at once and kill everybody. And then that's the end of the game. So like that's, it's kind of a a toxic mentality and and I definitely had to grow out of it quickly. So yeah, um, when you're running games, you're running it for the players. You're playing the villains, but you want to see them succeed and you want everybody to have fun because that's the real purpose of, of gaming, right? Is, is having mm-hmm. fun. Like, that's the only reason anyone should be playing tabletop games at the root of it. So, yeah, um, don't don't fall into that trap. Um, make sure that everybody's having fun. Uh, my other thing that I really like to harp on is communication. Uh mm. This comes in the form of session zeros before you're going to even start a campaign. Mm. Um, and also, I love checking in with my players weekly or, or you know, a f- every uh, so often, um, oftentimes through text or whatever medium you use. You know, if you've got like a group chat or if you've got a Discord server set up or whatever, um, I would check in with players generally and then check in individually and make sure that everyone is doing the things that they envisioned they wanted to do. Their character is, is kind of having fulfilling, um, interesting arcs that they're experiencing and that they have goals they're working toward that they're excited about. When everybody mm-hmm. has little pieces of the game they're excited about, that's what keeps them coming back to the table. And then, you know, uh, that coupled with making sure that everybody is having fun, I think those are kind of like my two keys um, to, to running games. And uh, yeah, so the, the communication thing... Um, that's, that's probably like my one big piece of advice other than uh, making sure everybody has fun. So yeah, that, that's it. Those are, the, those are the two things you get. Amazing. Some great advice from our guest, special guest, Derek B. Saunders. Uh, we appreciate you uh, joining us. Yeah. And uh, thanks to everyone for tuning into this episode of Dungeon Busters while we bust homebrew monsters. Make sure that you play around. Uh, homebrew some of your own monsters. You can check out Derek at How Not to DM. And also keep an eye out for it. It's too hot one shot. Yes. uh, So the Kickstarter is finished and it's been fulfilled. But I will give you the links. Um, People who are interested in buying the game as it exists now can go to itch.io or to uh, DriveThruRPG. I've got it um, in both places. Excellent. Uh, There are basic rules that are five bucks. 
And that can be played with any system. It doesn't have to be 5e. It doesn't have to be D&D. Anything that you use dice mm-hmm. rolling mechanic to succeed at, um, the basic rules are good for. And then there's the adventure itself, which includes the rules and maps and tokens for your VTT and uh, an original one shot my bunny and I wrote, which includes the fireworm feature today. So yeah, um, you can check the episode notes if you want to want to check that out. If you like hot sauce, if you like hot ones, if you like um, playing games with your friends, it's a good time. Amazing. Excellent. So much fun. Anything else before we end, Diego? I think that's it. Thank you so much, Derek. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, too. Thank you so much. We'll see you all next time on Dungeon Busters. Bust you later. Thanks for scrying into this episode of Dungeon Busters. Did you get inspiration from today's experiment? Then consider leaving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Did we miss something? Would you have done it differently? Let us know on social media at Dungeon Busters Pod. That's D-N-G-N Busters Pod. You can follow me on socials at Michael underscore C underscore Hyatt. And you can find me, Diego, on my website, foreverdm.xyz. Thank you to Peter Gertz for our cover art. Our intro music is by Artle Music. Produced and edited by Michael C. Hyatt and Diego F. Salinas.